0: I never knew that Northmen made blood sacrifice to their heart trees.
1: There's much and more you Southrans do not know about the North.
0: At the outset of the Game of Thrones, the Werewoods are presented as a mysterious backdrop. Intriguing, but perhaps more symbolic than important. Their white and red coloring is a loud and clear parallel to the Ice and Fire theme, and the faces on the heart trees make for wonderfully chilling imagery.
1: But some of the white trees are thought to be older than all the sentient races, and they are seen as both objects of worship and instruments of the old gods. So we're led to believe there's a supernatural element as well. By a clash of kings and through a storm of swords, we see our suspicions confirmed, and we realize that there is indeed power in the trees. Dreams and visions seem to come more easily to those in proximity.
0: Corrin Halfhand himself claims that the trees have eyes again indicating that their power is also tied to the unexplained waxing and waning of the magical forces of Planetos. Planetos. Yeah. <laughs> However, neither the Werewoods' role in the story nor the full extent of the lore surrounding them is clear, which makes them even more intriguing, in fact. Definitely. Along comes a dance with dragons, and the mystery gets quite dark when we learn that trees used to receive blood sacrifice.
1: Well, maybe still do. Yeah. <laughs> Prior rumors
0: are confirmed, Green Seers do see through their eyes, the Green Seers are themselves part of the trees.
1: The three-eyed crow turns out to be Lord Brynden mm-hmm. Rivers, aka Blood Raven. What? <laughs> a Targaryen royal bastard who was handed a king and then Lord Commander of the Knight's Watch. And thought to be long dead, of course. Well, you know, who in your uh, he should be about 130 years old. Of course you'd expect him to be dead. He's been watching all this time with a thousand eyes in one. The eyes of both ravens and trees, it turns out. That the old gods and the heart trees are truly linked goes from ancient fable, shall we say, to uh, maybe halfway proven reality. And since the dawn of time, the trees have been watching. With eyes as red as blood, each heart tree serves as a recording sentinel with unlimited memory. And, of course, a POV character now has access to those recordings. The Werewood Archives... Trademark, trademark. <laughs> ...are his to view.
0: Jon Snow may know nothing but Bran Stark is well on his way to knowing everything. (laughs) The way it's told, he basically is only limited by his imagination.
1: In terms of coming up with scenarios for how might this play out in the series, you might say that's exactly how we're limited as well.
0: Welcome to another episode of History of Westeros, a podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones.
1: As you can probably tell by how long it took us to put this out, about three months, slightly longer, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) This was, in fact, a very difficult topic. We didn't realize it would be so difficult difficult at first. And a
2: difficult time of year. And a
1: difficult time of year, it's true. Winter is coming, and here, (laughs) rather. winter uh, is here. Winter is here, yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially here in Atlanta, where everyone's been snowing. Two inches! Two inches shut the whole city down, actually. (laughs) Um, But anyway, this topic has a simultaneous distinction of being incredibly full of possibility, yet decidedly lacking in tangible fact.
0: (laughs) There's no topic we've covered, no topic that has remotely this much potential for depth and creative thinking. There are eons worth of options across the entire continent, after all, and no other continent, as far as we know. (laughs) We haven't seen any werewoods outside of Westeros, though we have seen a few things made of werewood. Such as uh, the half half the door at the house of b- the black and white, and in Bravos.
1: You're right. Um, the white half, of course, yeah. and uh, the there's also chairs there that are made of half weirwood, half ebony. So clearly, this stuff is out there. But uh, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen these other places really thoroughly. You know, we haven't really fully explored Bravos and, and Pentos and all these places. We don't really have any reason to suspect that weirwoods are anywhere else other than Westeros. But I suppose it is possible. We do hear of another type of, shall we say. Mm-hmm fantasy tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that a bit later when it's uh, more appropriate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a lot of different topics here regarding the old gods uh, or surrounding that sort of subtopic that we want to cover, but they all overlap to varying degrees. Covering the werewoods means delving into the green dreams. Yep. Green d- skiers. Uh, green seers? Green <laughs> skiers. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. <laughs> the
2: skiers, Ski-
1: yes. Green skis, yes. Uh, skin changing, mm-hmm. the three-eyed crow, the children of the forest, the others, on and on. These things are all you know, linked together. That said,
0: though, the werewolves and heart trees are the centerpiece of all of these topics, the anchor, you might say. It might have made sense to start with the old gods as a topic, but really, this is the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's the same.
0: (laughs) As we will show, the evidence is strong that the heart trees are the old gods, or the singers that went into them, or some sort of combination of the two.
1: Which would probably mean they aren't really gods, but yeah, no one really truly knows about all that. So we'll just There's
2: good make, ass gods.
1: Yeah, we'll make the we'll make the details stand out like we always do, speak to some mysteries, create some new ones. <laughs> we'll also be doing far more theorizing than normal, uh, even venturing into maybe crackpot territory for a moment or two just for fun. So we didn't really hold back on this topic, and that had the effect of giving us enough material for two episodes. So uh, look out for another one coming up. We'll talk more about that at the end of this episode, which look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, as far as now goes, it will make things easier for us to cover the rest of those related topics that we mentioned because we're, we're laying all this groundwork, we're shooting out the, uh, the feelers and getting everything started connected and getting it all set up. So, mm-hmm. as usual, we start at the beginning.
0: In the Dawn Age. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to do that. The first heart trees <laughs> opened their eyes, perhaps immediately revealing great knowledge to newly maimed green seers. These would be the first of their kind, I would guess, as their power se- uh, you know, seems tied to the trees. Maybe they too sat in Werewood thrones, not unlike the one Bran is sitting in now. You know this is spoilers, right? <laughs> but long before Bran, Brendan, and all other men with B names and other lettered names, the early Green Seers were children of the forest. We're told it was the children who first carved faces into the trees, the first to see through their eyes and the first to go into the roots and trees merging with them. They may have been the first to commune with the Old Gods, or they were the first Old Gods.
1: Some of these trees may still exist today, and in fact, uh, we suspect several of them still do. Uh, We'll be discussing some of those and guessing at their ages at certain different points. Though the children did not build castles, nor cities, nor any sort of human-type settlement. Still, Mm -hmm. there must have been wondrous sights to see even back then. Uh, faces carved on werewoods in great numbers, creatures now long extinct. Uh, the wood dancers, for example, the, who are the warrior children of the forest, armed with obsidian blades and arrows slipping quietly through the forest on their way to battle, perhaps. Maybe against giants, or against each other, perhaps. It's hard to imagine that all the children <laughs> simply got along. <laughs> children never get along, right? <laughs> not, that, not that well. There's always some fighting. But if the children warred amongst each other, the trees would have seen it. And they'd remember this. What would a duel between wood dancers look like, for example?
0: Would they fight on the ground? Would they fight in the branches of trees and the deep, endless caves? Well, if they fought in the dark, I suppose no one saw that.
1: Mm, I don't know those can see in the dark. But can hmm. the,
0: uh, <laughs> the child of the forest named Leaf tells us that the giants were their Bane and their brothers, which may indicate the two races warred against each other, and certainly indicates conflict of some type. Many living werewoods have surely seen packs of direwolves, herds of mammoths, unicorns, the great lions of the west that the Lannisters and Rains seem to have adopted for their sigils. Tons of things that they've seen. At this time, the proliferation of werewoods may have been such that the whole continent was theirs to see. Remember that the island chain, called the Stepstones, used to be a land bridge that connected Westeros to Essos.
1: If there were Weirwoods there? On the what is now the Stepstones, uh, what was the Arm of Dorne, I suppose, called at uh-huh. the time? Uh, then there are, must have, at some point, been singers who saw through the eyes there, and those, in perhaps those in Dorne. And what they must have, what they, what must they have thought when they saw the first men with their <laughs> horses and bronze weapons, and their willingness, that perhaps their over willingness relative to the children, mm-hmm. to use fire. Uh, Whether or not the children recognized the newcomers as foes at first is unknown, but surely they did so quickly enough. Many pairs of ancient eyes were shut forever as men responded to their fear of the unknown with axe and flame. When they learned that their new enemies could see through these eyes, surely this led to even more fear and hostility, justifying what their ancestors had begun. The state of affairs seemed to have continued for many years, and more of the white trees were slain as men multiplied and more migrations occurred.
0: We're told that the Singers ended these migrations. Well, temporarily at least, because, you know, boats. <laughs> <It's not laughs>
2: but by shattering the land
0: bridge between the two continents with their great magic, at least men couldn't just walk over anymore. They had to work a little hard. <laughs> if this tale is true, it would be interesting to know if any werewoods were drowned and if any of their remains exist below the sea. <laughs>
1: I wonder if the singers felt any guilt over having to destroy these trees as collateral damage. Uh, perhaps but there were none left to be concerned about, though. Uh, all burned or cut down prior to the shattering of the arm. Or perhaps Dorn's desert-like climate meant there were none. I mean, that's not, that's not a stretch at all. That's just, you know, desert, wherewood? That doesn't really seem to fit, mm-hmm. does it? Anyway, uh, cities, towns, bridges, mills, castles, keeps, farms, all these things were built uh, continuously by the first men as they spread and multiplied. Mm-hmm. And, of course, more trees were cut down.
0: The first men and the children eventually ceased their wars, and they, re- they reached an accord at what is now called the Isle of Faces, located in the center of the God's Eye, which is the lake that is also essentially the center of Westeros itself. Yeah. Uh, many werewoods were said to be on the Isle many, many. and when the pact was signed, a great number were, giving, were given faces so that, they, so that their gods might bear witness the Order of the Green Men was established at the same time, and it supposedly remains to this day. If they do, Bran might be able to see them, perhaps even speak to them. I
1: hope so. Please do, <laughs> Bran. <laughs> anyway, men adopted the worship of the old gods, and perhaps it's not hard to see why. There was real power on display, after all. A green seer seeming to appear in the face of a heart tree might appear godlike. That I could certainly uh, give someone suspicions there. It's certainly not natural. <laughs> Nothing that they've kind of thing that they've seen before. Uh, control and communication with animals and nature and perhaps the weather itself one many over. That that could certainly convert some people, I would see. And so eventually the First Men ceased cutting down werewoods, But the damage was done. The numbers have been greatly reduced.
0: Okay, though we know, we know that the stronger green seer's can see beyond the trees, not limited to what's, what exactly is near the tree itself, it seems pretty clear enough that the trees are vital to the power of the Oil Gods. And with each felled tree... The collective power of the Green seers must have become weaker, the, their continent-wide vision perhaps acquiring blind spots. Mm. Surely, though, they saw the arrival of the Andals with their steel weapons and seven-pointed stars. They came in such great numbers, and they were intent on conquest and spreading their religion. Yeah, how could
1: they fail to notice that, right? <laughs> Men adopted uh, rather another wave of destruction followed for the Werewoods, as, of course, the Andals had no reason to observe the pact. <laughs> they didn't sign it. They had nothing to do with it. And indeed, many followers of the Seven were bent on destroying the trees as they were symbolic of the old gods whom they sought to supplant. The first men had eventually converted to the old gods, but the Andals never did, and the faith became the dominant religion everywhere in Westeros save the North and the Iron Islands.
0: Mm-hmm. So though there's no religious strife now, the, the vast majority of the werewoods in the South were cut down long before the events of A Song of Ice and Fire. Anywhere from uh, one to four thousand years ago. Pretty wide was. range, but longer. Yeah, ago. pretty <laughs> wide range. Some remained after that period, but later still more were destroyed, and few now remain. The scarcity, at least, makes them all the more special, though.
1: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking way back, <laughs> the heart trees saw the others the last time they invaded, for example, uh, and some of the ones beyond the wall have seen them recently, I would suppose. They saw the actual and entire long night. I'm not a- sure.
0: Assuming it wasn't too dark, of course. <laughs> right, we <are> covered
1: that. <laughs> that's true. We covered that earlier. <laughs> so just to drive that point home, the actual long night. They probably saw this, uh, and if he was a real person, they saw the last hero and or Azor Ahai. Yeah, if they're the same person, yeah, I or don't not? Know if it's one uh, person or not, but
0: did they see Lightbringer? I mm, think so. That yeah. would
1: be visible in the dark. Yes, <laughs>
0: that is true. And if the ice spiders that Sam has read about are a real thing, they saw those too. Much more recently, consider that the heart tree at Harrenhal witnessed the tourney of the False spring.
1: The heart tree perhaps saw Rhaegar and Lyanna meet for the first time and would know the identity of the Knight of the Laughing Tree. So, please tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Long before that, though, over a period of perhaps 40 years, the tree witnessed the great castle of Harrenhal go up around it bearing witness to both the epic size and of the structure and the epic suffering <laughs> and destruction that it took to create. Though a weirwood, apparently this is very little time, uh, 40 years is like the blink of an yeah. eye, uh, a carved red eye. <laughs>
0: Bran could look through that tree and see Aegon the Conqueror circling high above on the Black Dread, his breath melting the newly completed megatowers.
1: <laughs> towers, I love that <laughs> word. Valerian might actually scare a heart tree if, if trees could be scared, but... Uh, the, the tree in this case was not burned. Mm-hmm. The gods would seem to have been left intact by a god. Yeah. But Hall isn't nearly the only castle built around a heart tree. It's just one of the most recent ones. Uh, this is supposedly the case for nearly every castle in Westeros, dating back to the first men's earliest castles. So some of these, uh, some of these more recent castles, though, probably don't have weirwoods in them mm-hmm. because there just weren't weirwoods mm-hmm. to be built around.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Bran, though, back to Bran. Bran could tell us if Bran and the Builder was real, and if he truly used giants and or the magic of the children to get things done. Of course, the wall applies to this as well. It should be possible to see the first block of ice put in place.
1: You may look where you will and see what the trees have seen, be it yesterday or last year or a thousand ages past. That's a quote, of course. I didn't just say that. <laughs> but it really just blows my mind, really, Dan. There's just so many possibilities. That's one of the reasons this episode took so long. We were just like, trying to think of all the things that the Werewoods could have seen over the years. And it's just like, <laughs> we could have done in a full episode just on things the Werewoods might have seen. But that, that's yeah. a little too much just guessing and making things up. So, we Do just...
0: you know, though? I want my cable provider to carry the Werewood network. They're <laughs> yeah. not HBO. The Werewood Network.
1: <laughs> yep. That should be part of all, a standard part of all cable packages. Let's
0: be clear, though. Bran getting into this Werewood network is a gi- is a gigantic story-changing revelation. And that's there's no doubt about that. Mm. We're now we're only limited to what George wants to show us. Because the setup is there. The foundation is in place.
1: Watch him just pull the plug on Bran as a as a POV though. <laughs> just, Hope not. So much for that. <laughs> Bran no, becomes an off-screen character that. only. It could happen. I don't think so. Yeah, though. Don't but know. but the argument for that is is you know, George has always said that he doesn't want to have point of view characters who know too much. Mm-hmm. That's why there's never going to be like a Varys or Littlefinger or even like a Grand Maester Parcell,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, ch- you know, chapter or even like a Stannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melisandre was a surprise.
0: And of course there was Eddard, but George has said how, you know, that was difficult to do. Mm-hmm. To, you know, he had, Eddard knows so much, but we didn't learn anything truly. So he has done it and he can do it. But maybe it isn't quite so fun. It just feels too much like artistic license to just, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't say it. I think so. But I think what's going to
1: happen is we're going to see bits and pieces and, and Bran, Bran's chapters, like they were in dance. There's only a few of them. I think there was only mm. three or four in all of dance. So only three or four brand chapters in the last two books. I think it's going to be like that. We're going to get glimpses of how the magic works. We're going to see just a little mm-hmm. bit behind the curtain. Uh, it's set up that we could see a lot. But I don't know that that's really going to happen. So we should keep our expectations tempered. If it becomes, turns out that we learn a lot more than we thought we would, then that's just a great surprise. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. The list of major spoilers, basically, that he has access to in this where we're, It's, like, staggering. I mean, the, the, we mentioned the uh, the Har- Hall situation and the tourney of uh, Hall there and the tourney of the Fall Spring, rather. And that's a big one. That's probably one of the biggest ones we can think that relates to the immediate storyline. But there's tons more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like like John Snow, the Winterfell Heart Tree, a good mm-hmm. example. It, it knows some secrets about John. It, mm-hmm. it didn't witness his birth. <laughs> uh, and it certainly wasn't watching the Tower of Joy, you know, thousands of leagues to the south. But Ned does pray mm-hmm. about John to the tree and, and asks mm-hmm. for forgiveness, things like More that. More mundane
0: so. mystery, though. Like who is Ned's mother could be solved as well.
1: That's true. We don't necessarily know that she's even important, but we don't know who she is. So I'm sure, the tree I know certainly. Yeah, me yeah. too. The tree <laughs> certainly knows who she is. It can at least give us a name and a family. <laughs> also Rickard, you know Ned's father, Brandon, his brother. Liana, of course. Arto- then farther back, we go Artos the Implacable. These cool names like Ice Eyes Stark and Edric Snowbeard. Of mm-hmm. course, Torrin Stark, the king who knelt. All these guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Every single one. Yeah. Of them. That tree is borne witness to every single Stark king, lord, lady, son, daughter. Every Stark that ever was. An uncountable <laughs> number of weddings, vows, and prayers. And another major topic for today sacrifices another chance for me to pull out my obsidian that's why you wanted to bring i didn't even realize you were thinking about sacrificing me (laughs) oh no
1: yes excellent (laughs) well the things that we can do with your blood
0: (laughs) the three-eyed crow though he tells brand that the eyes of a heart tree are the first eyes a new green seer learns to use but in time you will see well beyond the trees themselves Mm. but I don't think that means that he can see the, the history of anything ever. It seems a bit much. I think the seeing through time aspect is, is limited to what the trees have seen because the alternative kind of makes my head explode.
1: Yeah, just, that mean, literally means he can see everything, everything that's ever happened ever.
0: And he sees know, the world being created. Just, seems a bit yeah. much. Uh, we'll have to wait for George to clarify, obviously, but yeah. I, I, it's probably yeah, ridiculous.
1: And Now, perhaps almost as interesting as the things the trees did see are the few noteworthy things that they didn't see, such as what we just mentioned, the Tower of Joy. They probably didn't see that. We talked about why there's probably no werewoods in Dorne, and the Tower of mm-hmm. Joy is in the Red Mountains of Dorne, which are like desert mm-hmm. and mountains. So that's probably not a great place for a werewood. Uh, so supernatural are no, though. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think they do very well in deserts. <gasps> Much of Robert's Rebellion also we might miss. Uh, as it took place largely in the south, where the trees are few, and there might have been a few trees that caught some of the action, but largely that would probably went uh, undocumented mm-hmm. uh, by the Weirwood network. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, take your pick of the ancient events. Uh, if the more the more recent ones, we're not so sure because the trees weren't, you know, they weren't filming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we're wrong. Maybe the trees saw all of those things too. It's true. I mean, I'm not sure. It's certainly possible. But. Stop a second. We need to describe some terms before we go any further. Yeah. Not all werewoods are heart trees, and not all heart trees are werewoods. Not all godswoods have a werewood, but all godswoods have a heart tree.
1: Take that. <laughs> so, you know,
0: a godswood is a forested area within a castle.
1: Right. So, though since so many castles are built specifically around particular heart trees, you could say that a castle is a stone structure built around a godswood. Mm-hmm. The size varies with the castle, of course. Winterfell's godswood is three acres, whereas Harrenhal's (laughs) is a mere 20 acres. (laughs) 20 acres inside a castle.
0: (laughs) But every godswood features a heart tree. Typically, this is a werewood with a face, but not always. Since so many of the werewoods in the South were destroyed, many godswoods have just designated a a large oak or a redwood as heart tree instead.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Technically... Uh, rather, wildlings carve some faces into some of the normal but prominent faces near Castle Black, for example, after mm-hmm. their migration to uh, south of the Wall, and/or when the Magnar of Fenn and his raiders came through. Mm-hmm. So,
0: some of the castles, though, uh, some of the castles may not have been built around existing heart trees, but they plant, but they tried to plant a new one as part of the construction. We don't know for certain that this has happened multiple times, but it certainly happened in the case of the Eyrie.
1: Right. Though technically that failed. <laughs> so we don't know even if it's possible to plant one these days, but it seems like it has to be. But mm-hmm. we don't know anything about the process. We've never seen any small werewoods. We've seen, you know, younger looking ones, ones that aren't huge, but werewood saplings. That's not something we've really seen.
0: We talk a little bit in our next episode about some of the some of the exact werewoods and we'll go into a little bit more about that with there's a, there's a scene with Brienne where she pret- potentially activates a uh, werewood. Yeah, that's We'll that, go into some stuff one. like that. We're not just leaving you hanging there.
1: So, for the most part, they're kind of like normal trees. They have sap, they have leaves, the weather affects them and all that. But there are some subtle differences, and those differences are what make them so interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, supernatural yeah. things are always fun. <laughs>
0: so, all that summed up. We're basically just going to be using the term werewood, heart tree, just trees. The trees pretty much interchangeably throughout. Right. Uh,
1: now, a heart tree is many things at once. It's a place to swear vows, such as to the Night's nice Watch. Confess. Bran was sent there to do penance after breaking a promise, and they found him sleeping up in the tree, of course. And he was, doing, he was doing penance over climbing when he said he wouldn't. So that's, of course, very ironic and funny. Uh, also, it's done to dispense justice in front of a heart tree, such as Lord Rickard Carstark's execution mm-hmm. at River Run. Uh, and so forth, all these sorts of religious observances. Anything that they think the gods should see, anything mm-hmm. important like that.
0: When John says that his father taught him that no man can tell a lie in front of a heart tree, Lord Commander Mormont says his father told him the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's an ingrained part of, Northmen, of northern culture, including beyond the wall. Mm. Considering the old gods' complete lack of religious symbology, iconography, priests, temples, there's almost nothing, really, yep. <laughs> except the heart trees. They're everything. Shrine, symbol, priest, record-create keeper, and the vessel through which the gods watch the world.
1: The saying, done in the sight of gods and men, might be wisdom that originated from this notion. Southerners might not realize what they're really saying. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time that a uh, northern custom was adopted and, and modified.
0: Watered down, you might say. Yeah,
1: watered down, that's a good way. Southerners
0: to do keep God's woods, but they have a different non spiritual pur- purpose. Yeah. Catelyn, a follower of the Seven, tells us that God, that God's woods are a great place for relaxing, but worship is for the sept.
1: Though Bran learns to like and take comfort in the face after his uh, crippling fall, Before that, it frightens him, and despite his love for the godswood, and this is despite his love for the godswood in general, in other words, he liked the godswood, but the tree scared him. (laughs) Eventually, he became more comfortable with the tree, but when we are first introduced to it, he's scared of it. Mm -hmm. He notes that the red leaves are like hands, and trees shouldn't have hands. (laughs) This is a humanizing feature, um, a way to describe it that makes it seem more human, and of course, nothing humanizes an object than slapping a face right on it, so... In this case, is the objects in question are trees, and the faces are, yeah, they're human, but they're, they're creepy human. <laughs>
0: yeah, humans are bloody, just, like, they're <laughs> bloody faces. Yeah it's,
1: yeah, it's human, but it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, And of course, the creepiest part of that, somehow if it's possible to be creepier than blood coming out of your eyes and mouth, <laughs> and having some sort of, ah, like, look on your face that, like, something terrible has happened, which most of the trees do mm-hmm. look kind of like that. Uh, some there's some evidence that the tree's faces might actually change. Wait,
0: wait, you're telling me <laughs> that it's creepier to you for a someone's face to change than for their face to be bloody?
1: No, well, and it's a tree, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Trees aren't supposed to. Well, trees aren't supposed to be bloody either. I suppose. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I think, the, I think I think the bloodiness is creepier.
1: Okay. But well. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Okay. If the tree starts talking and telling stories and and, uh, screaming, I don't
0: know. The Winterfell heart tree, though, is our only good example for this possibility of the faces changing. Yeah. No other tree in the series yet has been repeatedly described enough or at all. Most heart trees have only had a single appearance. The first time we see the Winterfell heart tree is in Chapter 2 of the Game of Thrones, where Kat thinks of the face as long and melancholy.
1: John uh, around the same time describes it as solemn, which is similar enough I suppose, pretty similar, pretty similar. but note how it appears to Theon during Ramsay's marriage to fake Arya. The werewolf's carved red eyes stared down at them. Its great red mouth open as if to laugh.
0: Okay, Theon is a bit deranged, so we're not going to read too much into this, but solemn, melancholy doesn't really fit with as if to laugh, yeah. to me.
2: Yeah. I also
0: think it's hard to look solemn with an open mouth. But maybe that's just me. Maybe if you if you disagree, show me how you think you can look solemn with a great big open mouth. Yeah, send mouth. us
1: pictures of yourself yeah, looking just, solemn with an open mouth. Uh, yeah. I can
0: not see it. Uh, <laughs> but it, the Winterfell Heart Tree also appears in A Few Dreams, where its eyes are seen to move. That's... Certainly not definitive evidence that the face has changed. It's a dream. Yeah. But it does tease the possibility. Mm-hmm. A good piece of counter evidence is that Theon should know the face well. Having lived in Winterfell as long as he did, and he doesn't seem to act like anything is different. Right. You'd think that that might freak him out a little <laughs> or a lot. Yeah.
1: And he, yeah, I mean, that would freak me out for, <laughs> for damn sure. Theon's, of course, got a lot on his mind, but I, I, I don't think that would escape him, especially as we'll show later. He puts a lot of effort and time thinking about the tree and about the old gods and what he's done. So, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch that he didn't notice that, but Open it is possible.
0: Face? I, I don't know Have to think about it.
1: Another theory is that the face changes in response to the weather. Uh, there is some evidence that the two times in the series. That we see the white ravens, which are the symbol that the citadel sends out, indicating the seasons have changed. The the, the the face changes that are described in the text are relatively close to the times when the white ravens are sent out. So it's possible that that's a connection, that the weather is related to the face changing. That would be pretty cool. That's <laughs> causing the shrinkage. Yeah, of course, the, yeah, shrinkage, yes. There could be now, of course, the weather. That makes a little bit of sense uh, that... that Trees could be affected by weather. I mean, they what really What a maester
0: are. thing to say.
1: It's <laughs> science. <laughs> yeah. It's, it does give the maesters a bit of an out, doesn't it? It says uh, they can say, oh, it's the weather causing shrinkage at the corner of the mouths <laughs> and giving the appearance of a changed face. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but certainly, though, the weather changes do affect the werewoods. The Princess and the Queen novella actually gave us a little piece of info in this regard. Prince Damon had slashed a heart tree to mark the passage of days. Oh, big spoiler. Uh, <laughs> 13 mar, and, and so in, in the novella it says, 13 marks can be seen upon that wherewood's still. Old wounds, deep and dark. Yet the lords who have ruled Harrenhal since Damon's day say they bleed afresh every spring. Hmm. So, like normal trees, it seems wherewood sap freezes during the winter and flows during the spring. Arya does not see these wounds on the tree, though. But why would she? It was fall when she was in Heron Hall and near to winter. I suppose werewoods don't lose their leaves in winter. Yeah, right? I'm not sure but about that. She wouldn't have seen it. it. Like she wasn't there happen. during the spring. I would like to see someone in the, there.
1: In yeah, the so. It would be interesting to see if there are. It's other... Not going to
0: happen anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no, with winter that. having tough... It will be. Yeah, it's true. It, it, <laughs> we're not. We may never see. We know. We not see spring in the series again. We probably will. The last, the last book is called it's a, dream a Dream of Spring, of spring. but dream. it's a dream of spring. Yeah, it's, dream, <laughs> it's not so. the reality of spring. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if there are other changes or effects of the werewoods when the winds of winter arrives, literally and figuratively. But we may not get a chance. So some of these theories about face mm-hmm. changing and the way the werewoods work are really a. They're a bit lacking in data. We don't, we're guessing, and there seems to be evidence, but it's definitely not a total picture that we're able mm-hmm. to work with here.
0: The heart trees are also full of double, double meanings. At a high level, they're a very clever combination of symbolism and major story element. You,
1: know? you may see parallels to many of the most, uh, say, mystical characters, uh, and if you didn't, well, that's what we're here for.
0: At the outset, we mentioned how red and white coloring neatly suggest ice and fire. The ice part is simple enough, heart trees are a northern thing, and the north is cold and wintry. It has the wall, etc. The fire is more metaphorical, we'll let Jojen explain. There is a power in living wood, a power strong as fire.
1: <laughs> right, Jojen. All you gotta do is hold a torch to it, and there'll certainly be plenty of power all around soon enough. <laughs> to be fair, though, there isn't a ton to connect fire to the and In fact, you could say that the trees kinda... Hate fire. Uh That makes sense. What tree likes fire? The ghost of High Heart reminds us that the heart trees have not forgotten.
0: They remember when the first men came with fire in their fists.
1: Because ice doesn't kill them, but fire obviously does. Uh The Targaryen motto of fire and blood uh, would be fitting to transpose to the Weirwoods. They would Uh be ice and blood, perhaps. Uh Um, we'll have a lot to talk about on the topic of blood and the werewolves, but we're not ready for that yet. That's a bit Mm -hmm. later this episode.
2: Yes.
0: The three-eyed crow, who we, again, we know to be blood raven, is an albino man with red eyes. You could say that his coloring didn't change much when he went from man to tree man. (laughs) In a sense, he's more white than red, and Mm -hmm. he is more ice than fire, I guess. He's half Targaryen and half Blackwood, you know, northern. Uh, old gods old yes. yeah. but at this stage he's quite clearly more associated with his northern blood than his dragon blood
1: and during life you could say that he was more associated with fire than ice maybe as a you know targaryen bastard with his white dragon mm-hmm. symbol and all that but mm-hmm. anyway like likewise uh, another character that's that's got some parallels here melisandra a good one of mm-hmm. course she also is a pale woman with red eyes she's more red than white i guess you'd say mm-hmm. but and more fire than ice clearly but you might say she, while you might say she has little to do with ice at all except for perhaps the implication that she's very old there Mr.
0: is more Mr. Sure. Mr. Aemon himself says that fire burns but cold preserves but Melisandre does have some other ice about her. Yeah. Cold, said Renly in a small puzzled voice, a heartbeat before the steel of his gorget parted like cheesecloth beneath the shadow of a blade that was not there. So while she literally exudes heat and is the embodiment of fire and light Her shadows are dark
1: and cold. Hmm, They're opposite, you might say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she she does have both aspects, it seems. And there's another curiosity. Uh, This is outside the story, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it does speak to this issue pretty Mm -hmm. well. George himself had a Melisandre figurine commissioned for General Sale. And she's blue. (laughs) (laughs) She's blue with blue fire in her hand. And that really seems kind of weird, but seems it seems. I yeah, don't like a put so much
0: stock in that. Obviously, it could just be he—he he, he knows Melisandre is so much fire. He just wanted to see her differently. It's just you know, like people liking alternate universe versions of things. It could just be as simple as that. But it definitely makes you think, especially when you already draw the comparison between Melisandre and Ice. Yeah. Uh, you look it up. It looks pretty cool pretty neat little those figurines are actually really neat uh, I, I like he, George tells them how to paint it sometimes in his little comments yeah, like, if you guys didn't know George is
1: a collector of miniatures himself yeah. he, he was uh, <laughs> he has a large collection himself of uh, medieval miniatures and all that so he's really into that sort of thing <laughs> so it means even more that he had this figurine commission. it's not an idle thing I suppose yeah.
0: so anyways uh, along with those two there's also Ghost mm. another being with red eyes John notices something about his direwolf while considering Stannis' offer of legitimization his eyes caught the last light and shone like two red, two great red suns. Red eyes, John realized, but not like Melisandre's. He has a werewood's eyes. Red eyes, red mouth, white fur, blood and bone like a heart tree. He belongs to the old gods, this one.
1: Ah, so perhaps not ice and fire after all. <laughs> blood and bone in his case. In general, that is probably the better metaphor, but... We don't need to take sides here. They both are very fitting, so we'll go ahead and use them both. They're not in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that Stannis' offer uh, to Jon involved burning down the Winterfell heart tree. He didn't just have to, uh, you know, take, bend his knee and become Lord Stark. He had to destroy an old symbol. Actually, maybe it wasn't Winterfell heart tree. It might have been the, the Grove of Nine. But anyway, he had mm-hmm. to destroy one of the important heart trees, and he yeah, thought it this was, was, the
2: grove, yeah. it was the Grove of Nine.
1: And anyway, he, he was kind of horrified by this notion and, uh, he, and it was his, the moment where he decides to reject Stannis' offer is the same moment where he notices this old gods aspect of ghost. It's that point of realizing that ghost is connected to the old gods that makes his decision for him. Mm-hmm. The concept, however, of ghost being, uh, belonging to the old gods and having the symbolism of the werewolf is actually brought up before. Yeah.
0: White fur and red eyes, John realized, disquieted, like the trees. Okay, as subtle as George can be, when he repeats himself, you know we really should pay attention. <laughs> Ghost may be a vessel of the old gods is important, or more so than any heart tree could be. All that said, though, those comparisons may turn out to be of no real consequence, but they do seem worth consideration.
1: Yeah, they're fun in any case. So. Yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of confusion as to whether Melisandre and Blood Raven and others are opposed to each other, whether they're working for the wrong side, misguided in their beliefs about what's good for humanity and so forth. So there might be clues within the symbolic elements as to what these characters truly represent, whether they are misguided is a separate issue as to what end they're actually working towards if they've you know, somehow been fooled or um, maybe they're, <laughs> you know, this isn't good and evil we're yeah. talking about. Yeah,
0: perhaps, yeah, more likely is that George is just doing what he often does. He's making things gray, rather than black and red. Or pink, rather than red and white,
2: perhaps.
0: <laughs> you know? Neither ice nor fire are good nor evil, after all. They just are. Yeah. Perhaps.
1: And, and, oh, yeah, perhaps. Maybe perhaps. maybe it is good mayhap, evil. Mayhaps, mayhap. Sorry, uh-huh. that's the right word. An oft-repeated tale is that eyes, on the, the wherewood eyes, rather, allow the old gods to watch over men, presumably enforcing or uh, hearing oaths, maybe answering prayers. Certainly, uh, guest right and mm-hmm. uh, other such customs they need to be keeping an eye out for, right? That's so important. When Stannis questions whether or not he can trust Moore's Umber, John suggests having the man swear an oath before his heart tree. That kind of indicates how serious it is. Like, th- mm-hmm. that alone will ensure <laughs> his loyalty, apparently. That's that important.
0: <laughs> But whether or not the Green Seers are the old gods, they certainly can use the eyes of a heart tree. So the so the believers are right. Mm. There is someone witnessing this. It's one of the reasons the first men and the Andals cut them down. I mean, apart from them being creepy and symbolic <laughs> of a strange religion, from a more tangible practical perspective, those eyes are scouts or spies. Yeah,
1: it's like you can watch what your enemies are doing. <laughs> so yeah. Perhaps this is a by the way, perhaps this is a part of Blood Ravens information gathering network. We talked about how he was able to see through the ravens as maybe some sort of, mm-hmm. as a warg of types. But maybe he was looking through the trees all the time as well. Um, kind of a funny parallel there. Blood mm-hmm. ravens, ravens, and viruses, little birds, right? It's kind of similar. Hmm. But if you're thinking he also looked through the trees, that's a good catch. If you notice that on your own, good catch. But you might be wrong as we're throwing this out there as a possibility. But we're not convinced it's that he was doing that. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Bran didn't look through any of the trees until after he was taken in by Bloodraven and fed that would seed paste, so...
0: Initiated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bloodraven clearly learned glamours, okay? And perhaps some other things, as we learned from, like, Duncan A. Uh, but that's not old god's magic, as far as we can tell. He could skin change into ravens early on, we think, but his green seer abilities probably didn't become active until, like Bran, someone mentored him. I'd love to learn the identity of that person. (laughs) Person, Person, child. Might have been a child of the forest, yeah. Not sure.
1: Did this mysterious green seer watch Blood Raven's birth, as Mm -hmm. Blood Raven claims to have watched Brands? (laughs) Uh,
0: But let's not get too caught up in more (laughs) of that. What did the trees see in the past game? (laughs) Which is fun to do. It's a bit endless, though. (laughs) There's also the matter, though, of these strange mouths that the werewolves have. It doesn't seem like they can talk.
1: No, not literally, unless you count the talking door made of Pe- weirwood below the night fort, the, the one that Sam mm-hmm. talked to, the black gate, we call it, or that they call it, everyone mm-hmm. calls it. But that's a door, not a tree, not the same thing. Mm-hmm. We've got a few pieces of evidence on this topic, uh, starting with this seemingly innocuous conversation between Bran and Osha.
0: You asked them, and they're answering. Open your ears, listen, you'll hear.
1: Bran listened. It's only the wind. The leaves are rustling.
0: Who do you think sends the wind if not the gods? They see you, boy. They hear you talking. That rustling, that's them talking back. Like most of you, the first time I read that, it just sounded like folklore. A wildling's way of explaining the guts. And not particularly memorable. The rustling, you know, it sounds like anything you've
1: read like yes, it measure, turns
2: out you know. though <laughs> she's completely correct Yeah, it's
1: just, <laughs> she was super accurate with that rustling is exactly the right term for it
2: mm-hmm.
1: let's go through this this, is, this might blow your mind a little bit note how this is essentially the same language told by someone who is the, the best authority we know of on the subject Bloodraven of course
2: mm-hmm.
1: when Bran claims to have communi- c- communicated with his father Eddard he heard a whisper on the wind a rustling amongst the leaves you cannot speak to him try as you might
0: The sound the old gods make, kind of anti really. (laughs) Rustling. (laughs) Bran gives talking through the tree a shot. Father. Bran's voice was a whisper in the wind, a rustle in the leaves. Yep, again, rustling. Rustling.
1: (laughs) It's always the word rustling. Now, but it doesn't stop there. Theon again is our man on the other side of the tree. (laughs) (laughs) I did. (laughs) Theon Turncloak is now Theon Tree Witness. We'll call him now. He's got all these nicknames. Right after the wedding of fake Arya, he's there near the tree, and right when he's actually thinking of praying to the old gods, probably out of guilt or desperation, or just he just saw the mm-hmm. sham wedding, and he realizes the old gods are probably like, what are you people doing? <laughs> um, it could just be, like I said, it could yeah. just be de- de- general desperation, mm-hmm. whatever, but...
0: Anyway, though, all of a sudden he hears his name, and he describes it as, the, co- the voice had been faint as rustling leaves as cold as hate. <laughs>
1: Again, we have the rustling, and it seems this is Bran talking to Theon. As cold as hate sounds about right, we'd all agree for for Bran's attitude towards Theon. Now, this scene is actually almost repeated when Theon heads to the godswood, two of his chapters later. Mm -hmm. The night was windless, the snow drifting straight down out of a cold black sky, yet the leaves of the heart tree were rustling his name. Theon, they seem to whisper. Theon.
0: He weeps, begging the tree to let him die as a man, not as Reek. A a leaf drifted down from above, brushed his brow, and landed in the pool. It floated on the water, red, five-fingered, like a bloody hand. Bran, the tree murmured.
1: Theon takes this for accusation and pleads that it wasn't Bran he killed. Perhaps this is irony, though. (laughs) The gods might prefer that Theon had killed Bran. (laughs) If you're like us and you believe that Theon fathered at least one of the miller's sons that he himself had murdered then that makes him a Kinslayer. And in the eyes of the old gods, as far as we know, it doesn't really get any worse than that. So what's more though, Theon actually sees Bran. And I don't mean a vision of Bran. He sees him in his face. Not long before, in his, his face in the tree rather. Mm-hmm. Not long before he hears the tree say his name for the mm-hmm. second time. And he's freaking out a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. They know, the gods know. They saw what I did. And for one strange moment, it seemed as if it were Bran's face carved into the pale trunk of the weirwood, staring down at him with eyes red and wise and sad.
1: So it seems that when Bloodraven tells Bran that you can't talk through the trees, he's he's in, indicating that you can't talk to people in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is literally Bran speaking to Theon, isn't it? I mean, he heard, the, I mean, it is Theon who, you know, is a little deranged, but he's heard, this is multiple cases of him hearing his name or of hearing Bran's mm-hmm. name and... Rustling, yeah, it, wasn't, <laughs> I mean,
0: it wasn't exactly a conversation, but Bran is only just now learning. As he grows stronger, will he be able to speak more clearly?
1: Right. This is Bran <clears throat> communicating as soon as he's gotten in the tree. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and if so, what he saying say to Theon would probably not be safe for his children. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Or he might, you know, try to get Stannis to chop his head off in front of a heart tree. While
1: well, a bunch of ravens are yelling Theon's name. Uh-huh. Mm, minor minor uh-huh. spoiler there, if you might have gotten that reference. Uh, now, assuming what we, what we just saw there wasn't Theon just being insane and seeing things, which is certainly possible, uh, does it mean that Bloodraven is wrong? Does it mean that Bran is breaking the limitations he's told exist? Not necessarily. Um, it's not clear. But he could be. One of the children, uh, Leaf, in fact, the one who speaks English, the only one, <laughs> also told Bran he could not speak to people in the past. But maybe Bran is especially powerful. That's so- or you
0: could consider that in our previous episode, the forces of magic are returning to the world, it seems. And Bloodraven may be expressing the limitations that he, he learned during his own time. The, the same may go for Leaf, who, while quite old, was born during the time of the early Targaryen kings, but towards the end, from what we can tell. Her own life may have began when magic was beginning to wane. There's also the scene with Arya at the Harrenhal Heart Tree. Does she hear her father's voice here, or is this just inspired memory?
1: She prays and feels the red eyes peering inside her. And yes, she hears rustling. (laughs) Soon after, there's the howl of a wolf, and then, so faintly, it seemed as if she heard her father's voice. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives.
0: But there is no pack. I'm not even me now. I'm Nem.
1: You are Arya of Winterfell, daughter of the North. You told me you could be strong. You have the wolf blood in you.
0: That's a straight up Lion King scene there. (laughs) But uh, it really is. Uh, Anyways, though, I am (laughs) doubtful that Ned was actually speaking to her from beyond the grave. Uh, Though as it's said, she has the wolf blood and we know that she's a warg. Perhaps she was tapping into the Weirwood network somehow. But I lean towards it just being poetic license. Yeah,
2: me too. <laughs> now,
0: though, Theon isn't the only only one to see a person he knows in the, in the tree's face, but he's the only one we know of who isn't dreaming when it happens. It's here, when, when Blood Raven is trying to reach Bran.
1: He dreamed of the Weirwood. It was looking at him with its deep red eyes, calling to him with its twisted wooden mouth. And from its pale branches the three-eyed crow came flapping, pecking at his face and crying his name in a voice as sharp as swords.
0: Okay, the notion that the trees are a conduit to the old gods is highlighted by this connection to dreams. Now, Jojen's green dreams are a subject for another episode. So <laughs> exactly. as are wolf dreams, dragon dreams, and others. Yeah, we've, we've categorized the types of dreams.
1: <laughs> but right now we're on tree dreams, one at a time. That's a real thing, we promise. by the way. Here's Bran broaching the subject with Maester Luwin.
0: Do trees dream?
1: Trees? No.
0: They do, Bran said with sudden certainty. They dream tree dreams. I dream of a tree sometimes, a weirwood like the one in the godswood. It calls to me. The wolf dreams are better. I smell things, and sometimes I can taste the blood. Oh yeah, that's better. Taste the blood. <laughs> just, Poor kid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, now it calls to him because he's tied to it. Uh, his 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 ancestors were uh, perhaps gone into it in a sense. The crypt is nearby, uh, with all those dead Starks. But. It seems also the biggest factor at work is that Bloodraven is trying to get his attention. He's communicating to Bran through his dreams, through his tree. He's using this, you know, old mm-hmm. god's magic to, to get Bran to follow him on his path. To get him to awaken his gifts and to lead him north beyond the wall and to mm-hmm. get, him, get him going on this path he's on now.
0: Note, though, that Bran distinguishes his wolf dreams from tree dreams. And this, and this is early on, as he's just discovering his gifts then. Yeah. Though it's, it's not directly related at the moment... The idea that Bran can taste the blood in his wolf dreams will be paralleled later when he tastes blood through the trees. Mm. <laughs> a lot of blood.
1: Yep, very much so. Now, dreaming in general seems to be a th- strong thematic element to the Werewood mythos, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, we showed some examples of the trees being in dreams, and here we may have shown the trees inspiring or forcing them, mm. invading other people's dreams. Uh, the trees themselves are said to dream. That's a phrase we hear a few times. Uh, the singers are said to dream within them. In fact, oh. Bloodraven's Blood introduction is, Before them, a pale lord in ebon finery sat dreaming in a tangled nest of roots.
0: Mm-hmm. There's also a curious wording here as well, back in the Game of Thrones. Bran had been thinking a lot since his fall. Thinking and dreaming and talking with the gods. Hmm. Are the gods some, someone something other than Bloodraven? interesting if this is a major factor but i i suppose it could just be a metaphor
1: yeah at
0: the that point of the quote Bran has no idea who blood raven is like many things it's easy to assume that the supernatural equals the gods. He's yeah. talking to all the green tears and blood raven, you know?
1: Yeah, if, if you've got all these voices in your head and it seems like this magic and the <laughs> trees appearing, I mean are you been talking to the old gods.
0: Like it's the old gods to you.
1: To him yeah, says that's how it's going to be And Maybe perceived. they are
0: as good as God. What else is they comparable in terms of gods? So you know. uh, yeah,
1: it, it, it's just a it's a term you have to always remember <laughs> that of course, we're seeing things through the eyes of, of these individuals, not through a narrator. So, what Bran sees, what Bran interprets, is not necessarily what it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we probably don't need to remind you guys of that. You're all, anyone who's followed our podcast for a while, is, is aware of the subtleties and ins and outs of the way perceptions are done in the Game of Thrones, but it's good to remind every once in a while. Now, Bran is not the only one having tree dreams, though he uh, manages to get in other people's. <laughs> Uh, and though we've made a distinction between the wolf dreams and tree dreams and others, John seems to have the one interrupted by the other. So that's kind of an interesting case, maybe a little bit unique. Uh, maybe he's having both dreams at the same time, or maybe it's not that important to make this distinction uh-huh. as to tree, tree dream, wolf dream. They're just dreams that different things Try Yeah, categorize happen. everything. Yeah, yeah. To put everything into a we're, box. We're, we're, we have a sickness of categorization here. Uh-huh. Um, now, he's seeing through ghost eyes. Uh, in other words, having a wolf dream, like mm-hmm. we said, and he's interrupted by a vision of Brand's face on a heart tree, which just grows out of solid mm-hmm. rock right in front of him, really fast too. <laughs> and I think the, the rapid growth of the tree is symbolizing Brand's rapid mastery of his gifts, mm-hmm. or solid rock, uh, yeah, like breaking through rock. I'm not sure, breaking through to the other side, <laughs> of some sort of <laughs> doors reference, right? Yes. Yeah, no, that's not what I meant. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, Brand is actually Jim Morrison, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> so or John is. The, so it's, it's, a, it's, I think it's symbolic of, of Bran kind of opening his eyes, getting through, you know, opening his third eye, all that. But um, and like I said, the rapid gaining of his gifts, understanding them quickly, doing things maybe that other people haven't done before. Uh, but also, John clearly has a lot of power of his own that's kind of untapped. We haven't really seen; just been kind of hinted at. Um, and he's seeing the one seeing the stream. He's the one having these visions, so it, it, it's got to be important. Uh, just the fact that he's seeing it, the fact that he's the target is important. Mm
2: hmm
0: All right, quote. Red eyes looked at him, fierce eyes they were, yet glad to see him. The Werewood has had his brother's face. Had his brother always had three eyes? Not always, came the silent shout, not before the crow. Bran has the power to look through the trees, so John visualizing Bran's face in place of, of that of the heart tree is really fitting. Except that, Bra- except that Bran is not actually doing that sort of thing at that point in the story.
1: Yeah, so John is seeing ahead, or perhaps dreaming of Bran's abilities before they manifest. This could easily fit as it seems Bloodraven is involved here, communicating with John. So we know that Bloodraven is
0: Bloodraven's communicating with John. Wow, that's awfully foreign. Not before <laughs> the crow. He has to mention himself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, we know what Blood Raven's interest in, in Bran is, sort of. Well, we don't know fully, but we have more detail there. But it seems like Bloodraven has an interest in John as well, but we're not really sure what that is yet. So, that's a developing story. Mm-hmm. But if it's so, but the, just the fact that John's dream is being guided definitely speaks to that. So, we should at least take note of what this message mm-hmm. seems to be, what the dream is... Him. And
0: here in this other quote, it almost sounds like Bran is talking to John, or perhaps Ghost. Same difference, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of because same. John <laughs> is in Ghost at the time. Maybe it's easier through Ghost. Remember what we said earlier about about uh, his reminder that Ghost belongs to the old gods.
1: He was smelling death. He cringed back, his hair bristling and bared his fangs.
0: Don't be afraid. I like it in the dark. <laughs> no one can see you, but you can see them. But first, you have to open your eyes. See? Like this. And the tree reached down and touched him. God, I hate that quote. It's so creepy to me. <laughs> I really like I really like it in the dark. I just, I don't know.
1: Hey, that's a you know, thing we didn't cover. We talked about whether the trees can see in the dark. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess maybe they can, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: I guess, yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: anyway, John is, this is John's dream, of course, as we said. And as soon as the tree touches him in the dream, he immediately wakes up. He's back in ghost. And bam, in comes Orel the eagle and attacks him. It's like instant. Um, it's the next thing that happens, and that sense of foreboding, the sense of death that he was feeling, it could be just this attack that's about to happen to him, but it could be something that's a much deeper, further foreshadowing his. This happens in Clash, by the way. This is the scene that we're talking about, but it could foreshadow his death in uh, Dance with Dragons, or just uh, yeah. it could be foreshadowing something else. Maybe. Yeah,
0: maybe it merely reflects the harsh reality of nature. Hmm. Only death, death can pay for life. Can Whatever it is, it. though. The heart tree is in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's in the middle of the gods. <laughs> but again here, when John makes it back to the wall with Igret's arrow in his leg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ouch.
0: Yeah. When the dreams took him, he found himself back home once more, splashing in the hot pools beneath a huge white weirwood that had his father's face.
1: Now, in his first dream, John saw Bran's face on the heart tree. This time it's Lord Eddard. Uh, now, Eddard doesn't talk to him this time, but... Unlike when John sees Bran's face in the tree, when Theon sees him, getting back to Theon now, Bran is actually sitting in his throne. So there's a big difference. In mm-hmm. case one, Bran is in John's dreams, Bran is still traveling north. In fact, Bran is still at Winterfell. He hasn't even um, had the whole Winterfell get destroyed scene happen. It hasn't even happened yet. So it's pretty far in advance to that. But when Theon is seeing Bran and th- maybe hearing him talk to him and and just mm-hmm. experiencing, you know, Bran's sense mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow that's when Bran is actually planted in his throne, connected to the Weirwood network, and maybe able to do these things. So there is an dis- important distinction there.
0: This could be a clue that Bran was watching the wedding. <laughs> Remember that his last chapter was halfway through A Dance with Dragons, so it's safe to assume that he's doing some things off screen. I'd say that there's a pretty big difference between Jon, who is, say, touched by the old gods seeing faces, in, seeing faces in his dreams, versus Theon seeing a face while awake.
1: Yeah. I don't know what to make of that difference, but it's definitely interesting. It's something we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, In both cases, it seems like there's a guiding element of some sort. John's dreams may be his own, but we've seen there's a good chance that Bloodraven is at least directing them, or maybe, you know, more than just directing them. Flat out sending them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bran will probably do so as well now. Uh, We can predict him reaching out to his family through their dreams. Mm. Hopefully, that'd be cool. Yeah, Bran could
1: talk to Arya, (laughs) he could maybe find Sansa, and, well, Sansa might be hard to reach, but...
0: And so Theon saw Bran's face, either because Bran really was there looking through, or he's just a deeply disturbed, half-crazy, full-crazy person. It's
1: another one of those cases where George gives us multiple possibilities. I mean, Bran really was in the tree, and we know that he's angry at Theon, and these rustling things, it all kind of adds up, but... Leon is a bit deranged. So. Does
0: madness make it make it so that he's more susceptible to seeing that? I don't think so. It might. But, it's it a it good might. point, I, actually, know, because you common might. There's a thread in a lot of literature and things is that madness brings you closer to the gods and brings you closer to the spiritual side of things.
1: If you're not a crazy person and you hear the gods talking to you, you might think, I'm going crazy, or you might think, that's <laughs> something else. But if you're already crazy and crazy things happen all the time, you might be like, oh, yeah, the gods are talking to me. That's normal. <laughs> So, Brand's in a tree, yeah, so it kind of goes both ways, but we lean towards a, some supernatural element going on there. We really think that probably was Brand's face, and that he really was trying to talk to Theon and mm-hmm. he was really trying to yell mm-hmm. at him and, and give him uh, a piece of his mind <laughs> mm-hmm. so to speak. Now, moving forward, getting into detail as we did while preparing these notes, the individualized Hartree faces. Started to, and the descriptions of them started to take more shape and kind of fill out a bit more. My
0: favorite is the manduli tree, the White <laughs> Harbor tree.
1: <laughs> the White Harbor tree is good You'll one.
0: see in the next episode, I like that that tree.
1: The A Song of Ice and Fire in general is outstanding in its portrayal of depth. We don't need to tell you guys that. Secondary characters are about as big and larger than life as you ever see secondary characters. Even tertiary characters are like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's a big part of why we love the series hmm but it goes beyond that
0: yeah gradually of course we learn to keep our eyes peeled for what these seemingly less important characters are now, up George to. trains us to look for these yeah. things because it turns out many of them are quite crucial
1: yeah now the werewoods are a part of this they're not people they're not characters but they are kind of the inanimate object version of this concept of important secondary character Uh, a part of the background in this case is now a major factor, like often happens with secondary characters. There's some characters in a a Game of Thrones that are kind of in the background, Mm -hmm. but by Clash of Kings, or even by maybe even several books later, they become extremely important characters. It's very similar with the Werewoods, like we described in the intro. They started off kind of as part of the backdrop, a bit mysterious, maybe supernatural, probably supernatural, and as things go on, you realize they're really important. They're central Mm -hmm. to the magic, to the mythos, to the characters, to the plot, everything. So... Mm-hmm. we uh of course, have to give them lots of that's part why we just did so much uh got so much material on them here huh. so we have so many notes and uh, two episodes you know it's all that're
2: uh-huh. we're,
1: uh we're not leaving this one untouched so
2: uh-huh.
1: as the appearances of these wherewoods kind of add up as they go on and and we get more and more data and more things we can kind of look to, things start to really. Shape up as individual and unique, and you start to really see the differences, and you start to really see how some trees are different from others. And certain mm-hmm. questions arise. And you start to think, "Hmm, I wonder why uh, why that is." And so, we're going to mm-hmm. get into that a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Some heart tree faces uh, appear to be screaming or shouting. Uh, very much fewer appear to be smiling. That's
1: pretty rare, yeah. <laughs> others
0: are angry, or as we saw at Winterfell, melancholy. Mm-hmm.
1: That seems to be a common enough one.
0: Some of the faces, though, leak red sap from their eyes and or mouth but some don't i'm not sure that that can be explained via natural means I shouldn't mean,
1: they all do this really i mean if it's just sap shouldn't all the trees leak red from their eyes like that shouldn't just i'd seem yeah, but it's all they the same don't.
0: season everywhere yeah, yeah you know, per- perhaps it's as simple as how deep the carving goes that's basically how it works for real yeah trees. if you don't carve
1: deep enough you won't get sap on a real tree mm-hmm. but well, let's talk about
0: the carving, though. Then. Okay,
1: let's do that. Yeah, supposedly all the faces were carved long ago, but we don't actually know that for sure. Could some of them have been carved recently? It's possible. We we don't actually know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there is no carving. Maybe that's a misnomer, and it's just what the humans assume. Because what else could it be? What else? How else would you open? <sighs> the, you know? How else would that happen? Yeah. Um, but hey, this is this is a world with magic in it. We don't have to assume that it was regular just carving. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, wouldn't be surprised if there's more to it than just taking a sharp edge and gouging out a hole or two or three.
0: Yeah, we're, we're told and we're shown evidence that children didn't work metal. They used obsidian blades and stone tools, probably things made from horn and bone as well. Yeah, that seems Also, like that. they were small, so how did little people with stone tools carve deep, lasting gouges in these trees?
1: That's a good question. I don't
0: know a lot about the tree carving, I will say that. But, you know... I, it
1: seems a bit that something isn't quite right there, perhaps. Not saying there's, you know, it, it seems like there's something magical going on, perhaps. Now, sure, they could have figured something out. They're clever. <laughs> uh, maybe they're stronger than they look. <laughs> uh, maybe it's easier than we're making it out to be. Maybe werewood is just really soft. But no, it doesn't seem to be the case. Later, we'll get into some items made out of werewood and, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a soft wood at all. Um, maybe they had something like dragon bone. To carve out of, <laughs> which is dragon bone is really strong. It's, like, high iron content. Um, so that's a possibility. But these gouges in some of the trees are really big. I mean, they're, like, really deep. Like, is it really hard to imagine a mouth. Uh, for example, uh, Jake and Hagar swears to the gods in front of Arya. And he sticks his hand in into the mouth of the Hall tree. Mm-hmm. Into it. Like, he's got his whole hand in there. And and, and that's, that's a lot, right? That's, some of them
0: that's, are deep enough to fit, like, a sheep.
1: Right, there's a an example human. of a yeah. sheep in there in one of them. <laughs> So how do you carve out a sheep-sized hole in a tree with stone tools? I don't know. They have I, a lot isn't... of
0: time on their hands.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's thousands <laughs> of years, right?
0: Yeah. Another question though is why, after thousands of years, haven't some of the faces gone up? The yeah, like trunks? risen up. Risen. In have height, trees maybe. haven't grown. I mean, I would think that some should be looking down. They were <laughs> yes. carving extra.
1: Maybe yeah. that's not how trees work, I don't know, but but it, it kinda argues that's that...
0: not how trees work. Yeah, they <laughs> or, don't get it. it's, yeah.
1: We should mention the caveat that we are not arborists here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but uh, so we think magic must be the answer, right?
1: Right. It's uh, carving is quite yeah. possibly a misnomer. Given
0: other factors, I suppose that's really no uh, surprise. If you can create the neck and the broken arm of Dorn, <laughs> tree faces are probably no big yeah, deal. That's you just simple. broke off a piece of the continent. <laughs> I think you can break off a piece of a tree. Yeah, yeah. Carve <laughs> a
1: tree. I don't know. But we like to keep track of when the magic may or may not be happening. So even if it turns out to be a lot less, you know, a little more, or rather more mundane than we're saying. Still, it's good to keep track of when the magic happens, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yes. Uh, So whether or not certain werewolves, especially in the south, have faces at all, that's kind of an open question. Mm -hmm. In some cases, we just don't know. The tree is described, but the detail isn't given or the tree is seen from a distance. So, like, you wouldn't have seen the face because it's down. When you see it from a distance, you see the the crest Mm -hmm. of the leaves coming up at the top. So uh, it's just not described a lot of times.
0: Moving on, though. Among the long list of uh, scary things that Bran sees in the Bass Cave Network is a room full of weirwood thrones where old singers have grown into the seats as well as the trees. One of them even seems to
2: move a little bit. Yeah, he's
1: passing by and and it kind of looks at him and (laughs) like, whoa, that is creepy. Uh, But this being, he or she, uh, this this long dead singer, or maybe not quite dead singer, Mm Doesn't seem to really have any humanity remaining. This person is uh, part of the roots now, you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, fully part of the roots, whereas, like, say, Blood Raven is, I don't know, half part of <laughs> it? I'm not sure. Yeah. there. <laughs> it seems that everything is linked, though, that's all kind of going together. Mm-hmm. Um, the Werewoods and their memories, and those of the long dead singers, it's just all connected, like a continuum, some nature thing. You know?
0: So, well, the, the Werewood faces, they hint towards individuality. For the most part, it doesn't really seem like there's much of a one-to-one connection for heart trees and green greenseers. Brand isn't, like, per- somehow assigned to a particular tree, for example. We are going to, like we said before, we're going to go more into this in Werewood's part two about the differences between the trees and our theories for why these differences are, but we're not going to get caught up in that right now.
1: Yeah, the Werewood thrones, uh, from individually, they seem to attach to the root system, not one tree per singer. For example. So if you were thinking maybe that the trees each have an individual green singer uh, applied to it,
2: Mm.
1: probably not. We don't think that's the case. It's, It's possible, but the evidence seems to go the other way. Brand throne is set up overlooking a deep chasm. For example, not he's not like connected to one tree. I mean, they're all below ground. Like I don't know how one root Is that. Root over there root does that connect all to which way tree? To I, I, it doesn't seem to work that way. Doesn't, this doesn't seem to be a religion or a situation for individuality so much? It seems like everything is just one. Yeah, it's very I don't know. It's uh-huh. like it's like hippie-ish kind uh-huh. of. <laughs> uh, so it, he's one day he might wake up, for example, and find that. he's got a root wrapped around his leg now and he's starting to it's starting to grow into him that's kind of scary perhaps
0: he'll never leave the cave yeah Yeah, i kind of
1: not physically anyway i don't i kind of think that's quite possible really likely kind of scary so 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 bran isn't attached to a specific werewood but that doesn't mean there's some sort of individuality left behind the tree something that makes it unique from the other trees We're, we we've talked a lot about how it's all become one but that doesn't mean that these individual conduits don't have unique aspects to them or there perhaps isn't some personality left behind like uh, the way the some personalities are left behind in some animals like the second life in ravens and in wolves and all these things why not in the trees as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh the winterfell tree for example good example there catlin at one point points out that uh, Ned is a part of that tree. A part of him is that tree, and that he's a part of it. It's like, and this is before he dies, by the way. This is while he's still alive, she thinks of him that way. is like a part mm-hmm. of his soul in this tree. To the tree. Yeah, there's starkness to the tree. It's like, it's, it's like the- Yeah,
0: it's a nice little, little pun, because it's w- very stark. <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
1: And when Bran first starts seeing through the tree, when he first learns to see through the trees, the first tree he sees through is Winterfell. It's not like he tried to see through that one. That's just where his consciousness went. <laughs>
0: Their environments, the people around them, and other factors can seem to make the Werewood trees unique. But there may be more to it than, than that, even. Mm-hmm. Varamyr's six skins, prologue chapter, is a very interesting chapter. And it, it introduces us to the concept of second life. You know, the website. <laughs> oh, sorry, see? <laughs> Where a skin changer's consciousness merges with that of a familiar animal. We also see this when Bran is learning to slip into ravens. He realizes there is the presence of an ancient singer in the bird with him somehow. Is a heart tree a variation of second life for that rain seer?
1: I like this theory. <laughs> Instead of living on in an animal, they live on in some sort of cyclical and infinite nature collective, perhaps. <laughs> uh, we keep going on and on about that. It's really hard to describe, but I think, I think you guys get the point. Um, we get a detailed account of Vermeer's thoughts during his death, though. This is really interesting. How Just how tapped in we get. We get to see a really first-hand... Um, Experience of what's happening. So basically, what happens is he—the first thing he sees is his own death through the Werewood's eyes. So for a split second, uh, well, time is hard to to, to gauge. He's in there. He's He's seeing
0: it. Maybe, uh, regardless
1: of how long it is, it does happen. mm -hmm. So it's—it's that's very noteworthy. And he, after this, he also passes through some animals. Like briefly, it's kind of like his consciousness is kind of floating through, and it's like out into space and into nature and all Mm -hmm. different places. But then he sort of kind of regains control and finds himself in his wolf one eye, which is his, you know, beginning of his second life. And this, of course, why, while it seems on the surface that this, this chapter is mostly relevant to John because he's just died... And he might go begin a second life in Ghost or something like that.
0: thinks about how a direwolf would be a a fitting second life. It's really pointing towards John for a king. It's It's like, hmm,
1: what is this foreshadowing? John, king, (laughs) direwolf. It's like, it's right, really kind of pointing directly at that. But But. uh, it's not, it's it's, it's also, there's also some undertones here for Bran's arc. And uh, of course, this is, uh, there's more to it here. Mm -hmm. Now... Since he's a skin changer, he's not a normal person, Varimir that is. Uh, his death might work differently. And Bran is, of course, a green seer, but he's also a skin changer. Yes. So there should be similarities. Not that we're predicting is going to die soon, but certainly there's some relevance to this, even if we don't think he's going to die. It
2: yeah, uh, just gives
0: us a look at how magic actually works a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, there is, of course, another distinction to be made. There's the slow death of. Bonding with the tree gradually that Bran seems to have just begun and that Raven has been doing for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what about sudden death? Like what happened with Verimir? How is that? Is there a difference there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Another thing is that we see, we hear, see, the children telling Bran to slip into the roots of the trees as if he were slipping into summer. So it's really hard to deny a connection there in how that magic works. So if there is a second life for skin changers, perhaps singers leave some of their personality in their home tree, or perhaps whichever one is nearest. Yeah,
1: yes. Whenever when you die, your consciousness goes to the nearest tree.
0: <laughs> also, though, in that Veramir chapter is a is a, an example of a case of the innocent bystander, as often is the case, suffering a horrible fate. In this case, in particular, it bears mention because it also paints a stunning, stunning vid- visual, more like, horrifying visual. Yeah,
1: stunningly horrifying. <laughs> Think about this. Okay, before Varamyr dies, he tries to take over the mind of the woman Thistle, who, of course, was trying to help him. Way to go, Varamyr. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We we must know how he fails to do this, but it's not a complete failure. He sort of gets into her brain and tries to take over, but she kind of fights him off. Now, Mm -hmm. his own mentor... Told him that this was not to be done, and Bloodraven and other people have have kind of called it, you know. Well, Blood—I don't think blood Raven refers to it specifically, but uh, Veramir's master uh, teacher rather calls it an abomination, um, mm-hmm. something that people just don't do. But Bran does it with Hodor, and he does it pretty easily. Now, Hodor is a simple simpleton, so it's probably easier to get in his body. But Bran is doing this with almost no practice. He just does it so easily. It's like he's a yeah, he's nine or ten-year-old. Here. He's already doing something that like. Vermir, an experienced skin changer who has had a snow bear, ravens, <sighs> uh, eagle that he took over, a shadow cat, several wolves. He could not take this woman, and apparently and he hadn't even really it, tried like, before. he's doing
0: it in, like, he's desperate. Like, he's probably throwing his whole self into it, where brand maybe you know, wasn't like, this is a matter of life and death.
1: Bran didn't really have much trouble. He describes yeah. putting on Hodor as slipping on an old boot. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, there's there's a chance that this could go a lot farther for Bran. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Could just be Hodor is just a sweet-minded and Kodor doesn't hit Hodor's fine. With
1: so, but the, the stunning thing here, the thing that's kind of disturbing, mm-hmm. is what happens to this this it's woman just, here. This
0: symbolism. That Vermeer's failure is marked by Thistle feeling his attempt to gain control and she screams and fights. And she, she maims herself in her madness. She claws out her own eyes and bites off her own tongue, spitting it out at one point. So, okay, let's let that sink in. She has bloody eyes and a bloody mouth, the face of a heart tree.
1: Right there, just standing right in front of us. And that's a, that was a sneaky one. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. uh, someone pointed that out to us. We, I did not notice that uh, on our own. We had, mm-hmm. we had that pointed out to us, and I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's a good catch right there. That's really symbolic. It's happening right in front of a wherewood. It's being seen through a heart tree's eyes, too. It's like a heart tree looking mm-hmm. into like a, some sort of human version mirror there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anyway, so as often is the case when, when we theorize, we tend to create as many questions as we attempt to answer uh, Brand might start gradually growing into trees as we talked about and Bloodraven has been doing it for a while so as we posed the question earlier maybe we can get into it a little more thoroughly now what happens when a green seer dies through violence does he or she still merge with the trees similarly to the way Varamyr did or are their personal experiences and knowledge lost forever Jojen himself. Jojen Reed may have the answer. Mm
0: -hmm. Jojen Reed himself.
1: Jojan Reed himself, the one and only (gasps) Yeah. Jojen Reed as opposed to the other Jojans.
0: Yes. (laughs) The singers of the forest had no books, no ink, no parchment, no written language. Instead they had the trees and the werewoods above all. When they died, they went into the wood, into leaf and limb and root, and the trees remembered. All their songs and spells, their histories and prayers, Everything they know, they knew about this world. Maesters will tell you that the weirwoods are sacred to the old gods. The singers believed they are the old gods. When singers die, they become part of that godhood.
1: I'm not sure if, say, a singer killed in Essos, for example, would find his way home, so to speak. <laughs> but all the singers don't appear to wander. It seems as though they're all. If Brand is any brandon and bloodraven, or any kind of case uh, study. They don't go anywhere. <laughs> they go into these caves, get into a throne, and then sit there. Mm-hmm. And then do things with magic from afar. So, is uh, going to Essos, maybe that's never happened. Huh. Maybe, they're, maybe they're weaker over there. Maybe they're like, oh, I don't have power over here. So, they wouldn't want to go over there. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So now
0: that we've seen many examples of the power of the living heart tree, and we've discussed life after death for singers, but what about the death of a heart tree? Mm. There seems to be strong evidence that power remains in the stumps and roots. There are several mentions of the fact that the old gods have no power in the south, and that this is because of the lack of werewoods, but it's not that simple and also not entirely true.
1: Yeah, the ghost of High Heart, an old dwarf woman with, by the way, pale skin and (laughs) red eyes... There we go again.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Says, with Arya listening, this place belongs to the old gods still. They linger here as I do, shrunken and feeble, but not yet dead. For the oak recalls the acorn. The acorn dreams the oak. The stump lives in them both.
0: (laughs) The Brotherhood Without Banners gives her wine and song for her dreams, which for the most part seem to have a common thread. They're recently or soon to be dead or dying. (laughs) But not limited to that alone. She, in, she directly or indirectly sees the deaths of Balon Greyjoy, Hoster Tully, Vargo, and Vargo Hote, the red and purple weddings, and more.
1: Mm. The wherewood stumps in the grove she lives in empower her dreaming, and amidst a sight of so much death, why not have dreams of the same? It kind mm-hmm. of makes sense, right? A uh, sight so of society, so much death. What else would you dream about? Mm-hmm. Arya herself has no dreams that night. Uh, we w- kind of wish she did. That would, get, that would be interesting. But uh, it's not very meaningful that she didn't because... Also, it just so happens to have rained really heavily that night. In Arya's uh, point of view, it says that she didn't get much sleep that night. So, uh, not terribly far from there, though, we have a semi-related story, though it's not related in an obvious way. It is the actual next chapter in *The Storm of Swords* from this Arya uh, chapter.
0: All right, a day or so after Jamie leaves Harrenhal with Steelshanks Walton, who is. Orders from Lord Bolton to deliver the Kingslayer safely to Lord Tywin. That's mostly unimportant. Uh, the group stops to rest and water their horses. Jamie drinks some dream wine. Okay, he drinks dream wine mm-hmm. thanks to his fever, and he rests his head on a stump and goes to sleep. Shortly after, he has some intense dreams involving themes of family, duty, honor, no, and
2: abandonment.
0: <laughs> we'll deal with the several page dream itself at another point. Uh, a but one. <laughs> yeah, big That's not super related. But for now, what's directly relevant is that such an important and vivid and vivid vision-like dream happened at all, and why?
1: The genesis of this seems to be a combination of the obvious, dream wine and a fever. And the not-so-obvious. It's easy enough to assume he dreamed for those reasons. Like, why would you need to look, look further than that? That's part of some of the, that's, that's a good way to get fooled by this series, though. George likes to do that. He likes to give you an obvious reason and then give you either a second reason or a bigger reason that's more subtle. And this is a great example of that. So while it's, like I said, while it's easy to assume that the dream wine or the fever were the reason for this dream, he wakes up and realizes that he's been resting his head on a weirwood stump. Mm-hmm. And it's done really sneakily. He, he just kind of notices the tree is white. But it's important. Of course we can think it's dream wine. Why wouldn't we? But why would George write that? He, mm-hmm. he chose to write that Jamie was resting his head on a weirwood stump. He didn't just throw that in there randomly. I don't think it was just a uh, random weirwood stump that Jamie's sleeping on. Yeah. He had this hugely important dream, wakes up and sees that he's looking at a weirwood stump. I think we're supposed to believe that's meaningful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But once again, it's a great case of multiple possibilities. And it doesn't mean we have to just pick one. They could mm-hmm. all be in play there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Now, the dream turned out to be really pivotal to Jamie's arc. And his development as a character. As soon as he wakes up from this dream, what does he do?
0: He decides to go back for Bran. Saving her from Vargo Holt's bear in the nick of time.
1: Exactly. So we don't know <laughs> for
0: sure why he had the dream. But the ghost of Highheart basically proved that the stumps have power. So it seems, like he said, it's George giving us multiple possibilities. Yep. But he also loves to be subtle. So, here we have, perhaps, the sneakiest use of werewolf symbolism in the entire series. If there's a sneaky one, it's so sneaky we didn't see it, you should tell us about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, be sure to let us know. But, anyway, it comes in the Mystery Night, book three of the Hedge Knight series, Duncan Egg, etc. Early in the novella, Duncan Egg arrive at a river crossing, and because the ferry barges are busy carting across the lords and nobles and knights, the common folk must needs wait. Huh. Uh, so Duncan Egg come across Kyle the Cat, Glendon Ball, and Maynard Plum. Now Maynard Plum is Blood Raven in disguise. Again, this guy pops up in a few places and he's never himself. Just <laughs> Pretty realized. much.
0: Good name for your cat. Kyle.
1: <laughs> Kyle the Cat. I've never or... thought of that before. <laughs> I, we love
0: naming our cats after
2: after characters. <laughs> it
1: would seem funny to have Jakin, and Koja, and Kyle. Kyle! <laughs> Uh, anyway. So, this, anyway, this group uh, of Maynard, Bloodraven slash Maynard, and Kyle and the others, happens to have made their camp amongst a former Werewood Grove. Hmm, how about mm-hmm. that? So, that means Bloodraven's first real your chronological appearance mm-hmm. is in a former Werewood Grove, but almost nobody noticed. There because we you didn't even know it was Bloodraven at that point. <laughs> and even if you figured out that it was Bloodraven by the end of the story, you would have had to reread and catch the werewood stumps to even notice that, so mm-hmm. it's super sneaky, George.
0: <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised that there's power in the stumps, because we'd be missing the obvious that's revealed to us in Bran's chapters, which we must remember takes place underground. Mm-hmm.
1: So <laughs> The roots were everywhere, twisting through earth and stone, closing off some passages and holding up the roofs of others. All the colour is gone, Bran realized suddenly. The rolled was black soil and white wood. The heart tree at Winterfell had roots as thick around as a giant's legs, but these were even thicker, and Bran had never seen so many of them. There must be a whole grove of weirwoods growing up above us. Well, is there? (laughs) I'd like to know that. Are there huge groves of weirwood far to the north?
0: Probably. We we just discussed a grove with 31 in the south, so why not that many in the north? Yeah. The far north.
1: Maybe not cut down either. (laughs) Yeah, we
0: were told that they need sun and soil, and what we've seen bears this out. The cold doesn't seem to be a problem for them, though.
1: Axes, though. <laughs> That's Regardless, <a> <laughs> there
0: are a lot of huge roots beneath this hill. They seem to have gone pretty deep into the caves, and they're still seeing these giant roots all over the place. I suppose thousands of years of growth gets you places. Place.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got a little time there. The yeah. Progress happens. But this is actually not our introduction to the idea that there's a massive underground werewood network. It's the time when it's explained and given to us kind of face to, you know, <laughs> right in our faces and we're really seeing it. But we actually saw it much earlier, just like we did a lot of these other things. We're introduced to them before they're explained, so we don't know what it is we're seeing until we reread or reread again.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the roots formed a kind of stairway up to a hollow in the earth where a man sat almost lost in the tangle of werewood. Mm-hmm.
0: This is our first introduction to the undead version of Beric Dondarrion yeah. through Arya's point of view. The parallels to Lord Beric and Lord Bloodraven are quite numerous. Living mm-hmm. in a cave, werewood throne, black cloak, Missing eye. Count Should off. be dead, but isn't.
1: Name starts with B. Oh. <laughs> anyway, we know the Brotherhood Without Banners hideout cave is somewhere in the Riverlands. Not exactly sure where, but since there's no living werewood groves apart from the God's Eye, and that's on a lake, we can be pretty sure that whatever the... Th- St- whatever root system that they're seeing there under the cave that, blood- that rather, Lord Beric is sitting in doesn't lead to trees above. It leads to more stumps. If you
0: had told the Lannister men to just look for groups of stumps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because
1: the Brotherhood Without Banners is hiding beneath the grove. I hope they're not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's probably no hidden weirwood grove up there. It's, <sighs> you know, it's probably just stumps.
0: Yeah. It seems, though, that there is, there's a lot of tree left, though. Even after you lose the trunk, branches, leaves, and face... Some of that, uh, some of what's left seems to have some power to it, as we just said. This definitely invites us to consider where else these giant root systems exist.
1: Yeah, keep that in mind as we go farther through, and especially in the next episode when we go mm-hmm. more detail as mm-hmm. to individual trees. But all those cut down trees ended up somewhere. You know, there's all those stumps meant the wood went somewhere. And in the case of burned down trees, of course, it's just gone and destroyed. But some of them mm-hmm. were chopped down with the, with the aforementioned axes. But if you're going to take the time to chop it down with an axe rather than just burning it, mm-hmm. it's probably because you have something in mind for the wood, maybe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a lot of evidence that werewood is good stuff to make things out mm-hmm.
0: of. Yeah, here's a collection of werewood items that are seen throughout the book. Uh, Eagret's bow has some werewood in it. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of references to werewood arrows, such as in the vision Brand sees from the Winterfell Heart Tree, where he's seen someone making them.
1: Yep, we'll get to Brand's vision a bit later. Um, but when Bloodraven was handed to the king, he organized a three hundred man unit called the raven 's teeth mm-hmm. uh, and they oh, all apparently so had <laughs> and they all apparently had werewood bows and at the very least, whether they used uh, werewood wherewood arrows regularly, they used them at the Battle of the Redgrass field because there is a reference to the white shafts fell like rain
0: I wonder if they show that in the in the comic. I never thought to look for arrows.
1: That's a good idea. We should check, check because should Are check they that. white? Are those they, those comics are great,
0: theirs? by the way, the Duncan Egg comics, because you get to see these massive battles just illustrated beautifully. The, the sigils and hair. Targaryens and and Targaryen, in full armor Targaryen, with their. Um, Targaryens that aren't Tar- and and Tar- Targaryen, and Sigils. They aren't Ar- Valyrian looking, too. You can see all kinds. I highly, highly recommend it. They were just re released, the first two. Yeah, they're uh, really well, good. Yeah, the third one isn't out as a comic. Anyways, not get distracted, but yeah, get those. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Now, uh, moving forward with Weirwood items, there's also the staff of the High Septon is Which made of Weirwood. <laughs> insulting
2: much? I mean...
1: We're not talking about the current High Septon, but the <laughs> one, the, the, the guy that was replaced by <laughs> the current one who was, you know, mm-hmm. a major factor. Uh, where I think we're talking about the old fat one that was, yeah. that was killed in the, in the, uh, in the, in the mob uh, riot, rather. Um, there's also the huge table at the White, at the White Tower mm-hmm. that the King's Guard has their meetings at.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: Steer, the Magnar of Thin, has a spear made from weirwood.
1: And of course, we mentioned the doors at the House of Black and White at the beginning mm-hmm. of this episode. Then, of course, the chairs. That's, that bears mention mm-hmm. again. Uh, the high seat of the Airy that um, both Lysa Aaron and uh, Robert Aaron sit in. They each have their own weirwood chair. Mm-hmm. And the moon door itself is weirwood.
0: Mm-hmm. But the most astonishing item for sure made from weirwood is surely the black gate. Yes,
1: yeah, t-
2: this,
0: yeah. this is, of course, the door below the night fort that leads through the wall. And it just so happens to be made of weirwood. Yep. And it just so happens to, to talk. I mean, just, just wood happens to, a gate talks. That's, that's <laughs> nothing. But, I mean, no one else has a talking item made from weirwood. It's hey. very fancy. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very fancy. Very
1: nice, Sam. Good, good, yeah. good find there. Uh, now, of course, the as we mentioned before, the mini thrones of the green seers will give Bran's description here of his throne. It's white weirwood flecked with red, dead branches woven through living roots. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, we don't know what the origin of these items are other than what they're made out of. We know they're made of werewood, but we don't really know anything else about them. We don't you know what we probably whether...
0: assume that Ikrit's bow is made from a werewood from up north, not from, like, this, this, the, the Riverlands werewood. Right. Like, we can probably assume that, but... That's a
1: safe assumption, but what, but we can ass- probably assume that she didn't cut a tree down to make it. Yeah. Maybe she pulled she out a branch or it. just picked <laughs> a branch off the ground. We don't we know don't... if it's... Sacrilegious to use a maybe a term that doesn't necessarily apply, but to give you the general idea of, of the point, I'm to or make. if they
0: it think it's down on the ground, we have to use it, that's good to do,
1: right? Since there's wildlings who are devout worshippers of the old gods, uh, you know, in their own way, using items made out of werewood, it's not sacrilegious to use wherewood items, if it's sacrilegious at all anyway, but it might be sacrilegious to maybe chop a branch off to do something with. Yeah. But if the branch was already on the ground... God has to give it to you. We don't God know this for sure. It's just a guess. It's possible tool. that yeah. such a thing would be frowned upon. Mm-hmm. For instance, when Damon made his slashes in the heart tree. Mm-hmm. Might not matter. Might be nothing. But it might be, you know, kind of a a smack in the face of the old guy. They might not like uh, that. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, anyway... Some of them were clearly made from dead branches. We know that for sure. Varamyr, just on his case, when he's lying there dying, he finds a branch of werewood and uses it for a crutch. <laughs> so,
0: In some cases, that we've seen the stumps just pulled up for use, such as to make... Rafters in relatively modern castles. Modern yeah. castles. Such as White Walls and Heron Hall. <laughs> mm-hmm. But White Walls was said to use the trunks of werewood. I, I wonder where Lord Butterwell got the trunks of some wherewoods, as it's doubtful that he had any or many trees nearby to cut down. This is the riverlands we're talking about where, where White Walls is.
1: Right, and Heron and Hall, which isn't that far away, we know that Heron Hall was used some werewoods in his construction and, and uh, given how thorough Heron the Black was in, in destroying the countryside to build his castle. I find it hard to believe that there was much left for Lord Butterwell. So he probably he had to have it imported. Butterwell was ridiculously rich. So uh-huh. He may have bought it from someone that, that was using it for something else and they, you know, it was old, kind of like recycled werewood. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, it's an interesting question, yeah. but we don't really have the answer.
2: Nope.
1: Werewood is certainly exotic looking. White wood is, is pretty rare. I. Don't uh, don't know if that exists in the real world, does it? Yeah, are there There's painted some light colors? colored ones, but white. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That
0: are white and like rainbow colored. They have them in. Oh, okay. So well, it's, it is
1: certainly tough and strong, though, as we see. And um, in part two, we'll learn more about why it turns to stone over time and where we why we learned that. But
2: mm-hmm. it does kind
1: of bode well for some of those items uh, mm-hmm. t- little turning into stone. Perhaps stone the
2: bone. perhaps
1: the Kingsguard will of of far in the future will be like. Were, wasn't it written down that this table was made of wood? It seems it's to be stone. stone.
2: <laughs> what are you talking about? So there yeah. might
1: be some confusion there. The, the, the high sept staff might become really too heavy. <laughs> uh-huh. and I don't know if you can fire a wherewood yeah. arrow made of stone. Stone arrow doesn't sound like it would fly very well.
0: Uh-huh. But the bowl that Bran eats, the werewolf seed, seed paste that he eats, is, is, you know, is itself made from wherewood. The bowl mm. is. It also has 12 bases cut into it like those that would be cut into a heart tree. Now the Paste itself is really interesting and it deserves our attention. Bloodraven tells Bran that it will awaken his gifts and marry him to the trees. This scares Bran, but the poor kid has resigned to his fate.
1: And before getting further with that, we want to make uh, a connection that takes us really far away. We're going to go all the way to Karth, in fact, and you're going to say, Karth? What the uh-huh. heck does this have to do with anything? Um, we are looking at the shade of the evening trees, which have black bark and inky blue leaves.
0: The leaves are used to make the so-called wine of the warlocks, that oily beverage that turns your lips blue and gives visions.
1: Danny drinks it, and at first it tastes awful. Then it seems to come to life. Then it tastes like all the best things while also tasting like nothing. Now consider Bran's experience when he eats the Weirwood paste. At first it tastes awful, and then he likes it, and then it tastes like several of his favorite things, and then it's gone. So it's a really similar experience.
0: Yeah, very similar, very very interesting. I wonder if Brad's lips were were, were red
1: after
0: this. Mm. <laughs> he, he doesn't have a mirror to look at. But I, I don't think there's a grand conclusion here that I can see at least. Now, because uh, yeah, those trees. It's just, just what connection we have, uh, yeah. except that maybe being close to the ghost grass has to do with, like, They've been corrupted. I don't know what the difference could be. But it is just cool. It's just plain simple cool. It's a cool parallel from the far east to the far west. Like, it's just awesome. Well, maybe not awesome because kind of gross. But (laughs) but they both have really similar taste experiences with a strange, trippy drug made from a tree, and it's off to dreamland, and visions. In Danny's case, she has the... Uber, Uber, super important house of the Undying scene, where she is not literally asleep, but it's certainly a dreamlike place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Brand's case, there's the initial vision of his father and some rustling. <laughs> rustling. <laughs> Got to throw the rustling in. Yeah, followed by a short time, followed a short time later by cascading visions going back through time. And we are treated to several important moments in the life of the Winterfell Heart Tree. Winterfell Heart Tree. Hmm. <laughs> these visions are chosen for their relevance to the story as well, I'm sure. So we should pay special attention. We considered not having this section in this episode because we've got some plans for some different dreams and vision episodes. But it just it fits too well here. Yeah. And it's the only real example we have of glimpses of the past.
1: Right, most of these other visions we have metaphorical visions of the past in some cases but most of the visions we see are of the future or of the present or something that's happening kind of parallel well it's the same thing as the present (laughs) um but also (laughs) danny's visions are huge and expansive covering multiple plot lines and timelines all sorts of things it's huge it's really she's seeing things that have kind of nothing to do with her but uh they're important to the story and despite that now, in Bran's case, it's more focused. It's all about Winterfell. It's all about the Starks and uh, the related maybe related area. And biggest of all, it's not communicated via metaphor. Danny sees all these weird things that need to be interpreted, whereas Bran just sees what's happening. It's like a recording. Mm-hmm. So
0: makes it feel it makes me feel like the werewolf paste is a better version of One of the Warlocks. Yeah, more straightforward.
2: But I'm not sure.
1: Of course, Bran also has some natural gifts. We don't know. Maybe Danny has some sort of inborn ability also. But, uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. the parallels don't fit completely, but there are some, and they're certainly strong enough to be worth uh, mentioning. Now, let's go through those visions. Let's see what Bran sees and mm-hmm. discuss them all. First, there's another vision of Lord Eddard, most likely recently returned from Robert's Rebellion. Uh, he's younger. Bran notices how much younger he looks. He never saw his father look mm-hmm. this age because he's seeing Lord Edard before yeah. Bran himself was born. Huh. Now at this moment he's praying for Rob and John to grow as close as brothers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As close as brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a pretty big wording clue there. He also prays for Catelyn to forgive.
0: Not exactly definitive, but it is more evidence that Jon is not Ned's son, Mm -hmm. by hinting that Rob is not truly Jon's brother. Yep. But then we have two children dueling with Branches until one of them falls into the godswood Pool. Bran thinks he's seeing Arya at first, but he realizes that that's not correct.
1: He's seeing Lyanna and Benjen. Uh, Recall that Arya is said a few times to look a bit like Lyanna and to have her personality in a lot of ways, so they resemble each other quite a bit. Lyanna even mentions old Nan in this vision, which I think is a very deliberate reference by George, given how we're pretty sure she appears following this next one. Not this next vision, but the one after, so you'll see.
2: The
0: next one, though, is a naked and pregnant woman emerges from the pool, kneeling in front of the tree and begging the old gods for a son to avenge her. There are numerous possibilities for this woman, but for now we're guessing that she's Lord Ricard's mother,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who which
0: would be Ned's grandmother. Right. Not no. Ned's mother, damn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not quite.
0: This is a solid guess, but there's very little to go on with the details here, other than in keeping with the fact that each vision is in reverse chronological order.
1: Right. Now Ricard was either an only child or he had a sister, but he certainly had no brothers, so that that does fit. If his father, Edwile, died during his wife's pregnancy, Edwile's wife's pregnancy, so Ricard's mother's pregnancy, it would explain many things. Ricard's lack of siblings, for one, since there's no Edwile to father more children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would also explain that not knowing his own grandfather, and it would also explain that if Lord Edwile was killed, it would fit the, why this woman is praying for vengeance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, furthermore, I think it fits pretty well. Yeah, it does fit pretty well. It's definitely not proven, but it's a great fit. Furthermore, if we go back to a prior Stark, like trying to fit Edwile or maybe Baron, who possibly is the next, or Artos, we're not sure exactly who's next in line. There's some confusion. It just doesn't fit anymore, especially because of who the Vision next is. We, we, we'd, mm-hmm. we'd be kind of jumping past that, and they'd be out of order any, anymore. So
0: mm-hmm. well, The next one is the one about, old now perhaps, a mm-hmm. brown-haired girl slender as a spear who, who is standing on her toes to kiss a young knight as tall as Hodor. Since the fourth night tale is set in Winterfell, not out yet, mm-hmm. but it's called the She-Wolves of Winterfell, yeah. we can make a very strong guess that this is Sir Duncan the Tall being kissed by none other than Old Nan.
1: Well, Young Nan, <laughs> young in this Nan, case. Yeah. Or Young Old Nan. <laughs> <laughs> she came to Winterfell during the time of Edwells' youth, we know that much. Mm-hmm. Probably as a wet nurse to his younger brother, another Brandon, who died young. Um, so yes, implied romance leads us to... You guessed it! <laughs> Dunk the lunk himself, thick as a castle wall, and an especially enormous person. He could be Hodor's great grandfather, for hmm. real.
0: <laughs> I really, I've been fond of that theory for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after that, there is a dark-eyed, pale, and fierce youth making three Werewood arrows. Pale and making werewood arrows, Bloodraven. Uh, the timing fits nicely enough, but no, we don't think so. Yeah. This is so. the Winterfell tree, and there's no hint. Bloodraven ever went there when he was young or at all there's no red eye there's no missing eye there's no birthmark Bran doesn't recognize him I yeah. mean he's a lot younger but he doesn't recognize him but
1: since it's three arrows and precisely three we're we're gonna name this man Brandon Snow uh, who was the brother of Torren Stark they King Torren Stark back. the king who knelt now he was Brandon Snow was a bastard brother of King Torren mm-hmm. and before Torrin knelt surrendering his crown to Egon the Conqueror he intended to give battle. He was going to fight instead of surrendering. And then he saw, when he saw Aegon's army, he changed his mind. But the initial plan, mm-hmm. according to George, was that Torin, who had three Maesters with him as well, or uh, several Maesters, maybe it wasn't exactly three, but several Maesters with him, which is interesting that mm-hmm. they were, that, interesting that those were mentioned, especially uh, given what we know about Maesters and being anti magic and anti dragon potentially. Mm-hmm. Possibly the Maesters' knowledge and these werewood arrows are what gave Brandon Snow the idea to assassinate the dragons, which was his plan. He con- mm-hmm. he tried to convince his brother Torin, the king in the north, that he could assassinate these dragons, probably with these weirwood arrows. So that's our best guess for what this, this mm-hmm. case is telling us about, and we'll see if that comes true later.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But of course, unfortunately, that plan was not attempted. Brandon mm-hmm. Snow did not try this... Wicked mm-hmm. commando mission to assassinate the dragons, but we kind of wish he did. <laughs> that would have been kind of neat. <laughs>
0: Very different. Every, every yeah, different. yeah, especially
1: yeah. if he succeeded. <laughs> yeah.
0: Then the tree itself starts to shrink, which is manifested by Brand's field of, vi- of vision getting progressively smaller. When considering the size of a particular weirwood, consider that however large or small it is, it's taken thousands of years to get there. So if the werewood is getting smaller, we can pretty safely assume that a huge amount of time is passing.
2: Yeah. This, is, empa-
0: this, is, this is emphasized by non-werewood trees in sight shrinking to saplings and vanishing, mm-hmm. which is part of what Bran witnesses. Bran then sees a procession of faces he recognizes from the crypts, but sadly, it's too fast for him to put names to them. Oh,
1: damn it. <laughs> Uh, what happens next is very dark and brings us to my favorite subtopic regarding heart trees. I'm a sick oak. we're talking about human yeah. sacrifice here. Yeah. And I've got my sacrificial knife right uh-huh. here. My, my valyrian, or rather my obsidian dagger. Yeah, um, nice. Now, we should have perhaps tried human sacrifice to get this, this episode done quicker. Yeah. I mean, it might have only taken a month instead of three months. Mm-hmm. But um, now a few, a few generous souls out there helped us with our research. And some other people have offered um, donations as well. But no one yet has offered themselves as a sacrifice. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: please let us know if you're willing to do that. Mm.
0: So, the next vision, like he said, very dark. A captive is forced to his knees, and a white-haired woman emerges from the red leaf. White and red, huh? Mm. The fact that she comes forward only after the man has been subdued in place... Does make the scenes feel very ritualistic.
1: She emerges after, yeah, he's in, yeah. it's like, yeah, really just... she's
0: out. And then, of course, of course, she cuts the captive's throat with a bronze sickle, and Bran actually tastes the blood. We've seen him taste blood through summer, and that's real enough. What are we to make of this?
1: It really sounds like the tree is drinking the blood and perhaps being nourished by it. Mm-hmm. Now, a little more on that later, but first of all, we assume the bronze is a reminder of how back, far back we've gone. We saw the trees shrinking and all the other trees vanishing. Now, we do see bronze tools used in modern times, too. Mary Mazdour uses a bronze dagger with glyphs on it when she's mm-hmm. slaying, slitting the horse's neck to do the magic mm-hmm. with Drogo and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's part of the ritual there, but yeah. it, it's not necessarily proof.
0: Some some people have suggested that the activation of the tree that, that that's what this is. This is the activation, the first sacrifice to awaken it. it. It is possible, but it might seem impossible for a heart tree to see its own awakening. How can you see something before your eyes are open? Right. It could. I mean, <laughs> it could just be they sacrifice to it all the time can increase the power. But, but this is,
1: this doesn't have to be logical though. It's mm-hmm. magic we're talking high about. High. So recall the quote from the Ghost of the High Heart again and how the stump recalls the acorn mm-hmm. perhaps an activated heart tree can see what came before it after Oof,
2: yeah. so much that
1: would be a lot
2: yeah. <laughs> we also don't have
0: to believe that this is the activation of, you know it, it can just it can just be a sacrifice just to show you know, us know, that such things is, happened the, the, yeah the scene is telling us quite a bit already there
1: yeah. now there's never been a ruling lady stark mm-hmm. we've seen the crypts they're all men except for Lyanna, who wasn't a, wasn't ruling she was just put there cuz you know lord eddard loved her so much mm-hmm. So, and there's no priests of the old gods, really. Uh, there's, there are a few that maybe qualify as something of a priest north of the wall, but south of the wall, there is really nothing at all. Um, and even those few exceptions in the north are more and beyond the wall are more like oracle types. Like they have visions, and so people listen to them. You know, like mm-hmm. the Mother Mole, for example, the wilding woman who foresees the ships on the shore near Hardhome mm-hmm. uh, and leads a bunch of wildings over there, which leads to that whole big problem that's uh, not worth getting into right now. Huh. But they listen to her because she has visions, and she's sort of like a priest. Uh, maybe Val is sort of priest-like as well because of how much weight she carries, but she's <sighs> not performing any ceremony, how much weight she carries. I know, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds
0: rude. I <laughs> can't believe you would say that about Val. <laughs>
1: she's going
0: to be mad when she watches this, too.
1: <laughs> now, there's a difference between someone who sees things and someone who leads people in ritual.
0: Uh, so, is the, I was too amused by you insulting Val. <laughs> but, so who is this woman in the vision? She has white hair. Probably really old, most likely. I would assume she's really old. But there's not much else that we can tell. Bran doesn't mention her eyes. Uh, So the main point of interest there would probably be that there's a woman leading the sacrifice. Maybe women had an active role in rites and rituals. Such things common in many real-world religions. Mm -hmm. And it may be that the cessation of sacrifice also removed a source of political power for northern women.
1: Now contrast... Bring
0: back sacrifice.
1: (laughs) Contrast Lord Rickard Stark forbidding Lyanna to train with a sword, with this priestess-type woman wielding a sickle and cutting someone's throat as part of a ritual. Mm. Maybe it's just that Lord Rickard wanted to make sure his daughter was a proper Southron lady. He certainly had his ambitions for the South. He wanted to Mm -hmm. to make sure she was going to marry some powerful lord in the South, and he didn't want her messing that up by being Mm. too masculine i guess
0: too wild
1: but we also pointed out that there's never been a ruling lady stark so that doesn't mean but that doesn't mean like say stark women couldn't have power of their own in sort of this sort of situation like leading mm. a ritual or you know it could be a stark woman by blood you know like a, a sister or just a marriage you know a marriage mm. in, an in-law a stark in-law <laughs> Now, so those people certainly have some, carry some, carry some weight, <laughs> shall we say. Those women carry some weight. Now, if he, so, but let's connect this to another uh, northern tradition. The old saying of, he who passes the sentence swings the sword. Consider that. It's it's you do your own killing. It's kind of the same thing, right? Why not he who offers the sacrifice wields the sickle? <laughs> It's essentially the same concept, do your own killing, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's very similar. But, uh, mm-hmm. of course, the circumstances are different. Yeah. But I see a bit of a connection there. there and if yeah. you're going to do offer, so if you're going to offer blood to a heart tree, you got to do it properly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, many characters, though, they note the blood themes associated with the heart trees without necessarily knowing about the ancient practices. Davos has no idea, for instance. Only, only learned people would know for the most part. Basically, just about everyone who isn't a northerner is creeped out by the heart tree faces. Uh, Former First Ranger Thorne Smallwood gives the best example.
1: Look at that face. Small wonder men feared them when they first came to Westeros. I'd like to take an axe to the bloody thing myself.
0: At the same time, pretty much anyone who sees the red sap thinks of blood. Asha here...
1: It is only sap, she told herself, the red sap that flows inside these weirwoods. But her eyes were unconvinced. Seeing was believing. And what they saw was frozen blood.
0: And when Bran is presented the wherewood paste, the red veins in it remind him of blood, though he supposes it's sap. It's visceral enough to make him wretch a bit. Wherewood leaves are referred to as bloody hands a very high number of, of times, something we've already mentioned.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah. some details in A Song of Ice and Fire are particularly hard to notice. I'm sure we've all realized that by mm-hmm. now. Uh, discovering New information is especially fun and it adds to our enjoyment, but the story still functions really well, even to the casual fan who fails to notice huge numbers of details. It's a good story, even if you stay on the surface level. But uh, every layer you dig into, you know, there's, it's rewarding. But the story's still great, even if you don't do that. That's one of the great things about it. But but if George wants to, even the the least, well, not to insult anybody, <laughs> but even the least observant readers, the ones who are less, you know, more casual about the series. It seems that he's even trying to get those people to notice these blood themes and to, to point them out. So if, if, if he wants even those people to notice this whereas the other details, it's not a big deal if we don't notice them. He wants everyone to see this. That speaks to it being pretty major. Mm-hmm. Even if we're only noticing it subconsciously because he's not you know, it's not in our face. It's repeated to make sure that we get it. But he's not flat out explaining it either. So mm-hmm. we detail fiends, you know mm-hmm. we find these things. But uh, <laughs>
0: Okay, but uh, we have Ser Bartimus telling Davos about entrails in the branches, which we opened this episode with. That was the initial quote, yes. Theon even thinks of it. He would be dead before help reached him, to be sure, his blood soaking into the ground to feed the heart trees.
1: To feed the heart tree. This term, feed the heart tree, or simply feed the tree, actually comes up several times as well. It seems sacrifice to the heart tree was standard for quite a long time um we have a few guesses maybe three to five hundred years the practice kind of died out Mm -hmm. um now it is prohibited but ruse bolton himself reminds us that old customs die hard Mm -hmm. and it's not like there are agents of the crown crawling all over the north making sure no one's giving sacrifices to the (laughs) heart tree
0: (laughs) (laughs) So whether or not the sap of a werewolf is actual blood, I mean, it's a lot of blood, uh, <laughs> It certainly is intended to make us think of it. Mm-hmm. To be fair, do you ever not think of blood when you see a darkish red liquid? I guess if you're an alcoholic and you love wine. <laughs> I, I you
1: get used to the sight of red yeah. wine.
0: I think that it's a pretty normal human reaction, though. But it's not so easily dismissed by just normal human reaction. Yeah, if you see he red liquid, it yeah, it's
1: kind of blood. It's hard not to yeah. think of that, But, but still... That isn't, we're not trying to dismiss this whole blood aspect. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to, you know, frame it properly. Even the way George writes, he's emphasizing the blood. Uh, he's, he, he's, like he did with John's observations regarding John, uh, ghosts coloring, uh, he's repeating something because it's a central theme. Mm-hmm. He used the word veins when describing what Bran was seeing in the Werewood paste. Yeah. Veins, I mean, that's, so like, that's kind of... A, he could have used a lot of different yeah. terms there, but he chose veins.
0: Yeah. Um, and the term heart tree itself really is a dead giveaway, too. I mean, the heart is a blood pump after a heart yeah. tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like the symbolism is all over the place. It's, it's even more obvious the more you, when we really sit down to look at all these things. We knew this was there, but the number of references and the, uh, the the amount of... Just the total number of references and how subtle they are is really stunning because when you look at it, he's told this... this the, he's, he's been trying to communicate this to us as readers for so long... Mm-hmm. But he never, until Dance with Dragons, it was usually very subtle, and it's still pretty subtle. Even when in in Dance, it's just considerably less, <laughs> mm-hmm. as it becomes more of the main part of the story. So, what are we to do with the idea that the Werewoods are so bloody? <laughs> Bran is one of the few characters who seems definitively good. He's a young, innocent boy, in a sense. Uh, he certainly has, in his mind, he thinks good thoughts. He's, you know, he's a nice kid. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we can kind of. We can kind of trust him, and he can trust Jojin Seemingly, Jojin seems like a good guy, and Summer, of course, he can trust. And Hodor, uh-huh. I believe he can trust as well. And Mira, uh, but this is his. But this is, you know, his full elements. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about.
0: Okay, some people see a sinister element behind the children. They're perhaps the source of, or cousin to the others. Though I'm fairly convinced Blood, Re- Blood Raven does mean well. I don't see him as a malicious character that's trying you know, to do something bad. And he has a, his level of knowledge. It's, it seems doubtful that he's been duped into doing evil. But this is a song of ice fire. And, I mean, you can't <laughs> deny that how dark the the... The, the ice part of the, the magics uh, in the series seems so much it death. It's very, and it, I, the more you think about it, the more disturbed you, you feel. I personally, when I think about Bran going into it, I, I'm most worried about him.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in a series full of gray moral areas, what would be more fitting than a revelation that the old gods have a major dark side as well? Blood is death, but it is also life. And that sort of duality fits nicely with nature itself, which seems to be the core of the old god's mythos. Nature is the greatest killer of all, after all. And perhaps this sort of darkness is something Bran will have to accept. In order, in, in order Melisandre says the darkness is evil, but Bloodraven has a different view.
0: The strongest trees are rooted in the dark places of the earth. Darkness will be your cloak, your shield, your mother's milk. Darkness will make you strong.
1: Hmm. Darkness and light, yes. Blood and bone, yes. Ice and fire, yes. Good and evil, no. <laughs> have we covered everything? No. <laughs> Major no.
0: In the second part of our, of our, of our series, Amongst the Weirwoods, we'll feature a complete tour across the continent, discussing not only the individual, heart tr- individual trees and heart trees throughout Westeros, but the places that don't have a heart tree. <laughs> This will allow us to compare and contrast the different trees based on their location, size, and what they might have seen over the eons. Yeah, we can't let that go.
1: <laughs> Some teasers include the colossal dead tree uh, at Blackwood Vale, mm-hmm. the demonic-looking one at White Tree, uh, and the fat one yeah. at White Harbor that reminds us of Wyman Manderley himself. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Plus mm-hmm. the uh, God's eye, the grove of nine, the night fort, there's a lot still to cover, really
0: yeah we're also going to be discussing we're also going to be discussing how the others in the heart trees may or may not be connected yeah, we've
1: hardly talked about the others at all.
0: yeah, the warding off of whites and shadows what what does storm's end, the wall and the cave of the three-eyed crow have in common?
2: Mm-hmm. We're
0: going to get into some connections and interactions with the other religions, and of course, there will be more blood and sacrifice, more theories. And uh, you know maybe a
1: few things that we that belong in today's episode that we forgot about that um, does happen we, it does you can help us with that and the more that we delved into this topic the more that we found so it's it's not I wouldn't be surprised at all if we missed something because we you know there's, yeah. there's probably more delving to be done so
0: tell us tell us what we missed or anything else you'd like us to discuss in the next episode or in a future episode and it might appear in part two. Uh, you can, you can do that by contacting us. Um, now we're going to do our social media spiel. So if you know that, you can just turn it off.
1: Yeah, this is the end But donate!
0: Don't (laughs) don't miss that part of the social media spiel. (laughs) Donate! Okay, so, you can, first off, at the launch of this episode, uh, there's, our website is going to be launched. You can reach that at www.historyofwesteros.com. Simple as that. Yes, and you can check it out. There's a, in the front homepage there's a little guide to how to navigate the website i'm sure you know how to do that you can check out our episodes and you can leave us a comment there directly or you can send us an email at westeros history at gmail.com mm-hmm. you can send us a tweet at twitter uh,
1: at westeros history mm-hmm. we're on facebook of course uh Hi- history of westeros
0: yeah the url is facebook.com slash westeros history that's right uh tumblr HistoryOfWesteros.tumblr.com. Uh, that's now, that's it for the social
2: media. Now we but have some
1: very big yes, shout-outs to go here. Number one, Number one, our our good friend slash listener Jennifer Carter, also mm-hmm. known as Moon Pale Maiden uh, Sevenifer, I guess mm-hmm. is her other name. She uh, volunteered I would say a lot. Sevenifer. Sevenifer. She <laughs> volunteered a lot of time to help us yeah. with this episode. Although she her we health came several her. months ago yeah. because we were preparing this. We started preparing this episode a long time back. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, went through the books for us and pulled out all the Weirwood and Old Gods references so her help was, was really valuable mm-hmm. and we've had a few other people volunteer to help us in, in similar ways yes. uh, with research and if you would like to help with that let us know and we'll let you know how you can help we've certainly got plenty of topics that need research mm-hmm. um, also want to thank uh, some other people Lord Varis of course a um, good friend Thomas there he's always uh, giving us good ideas and coming up with creative thoughts on a variety of topics Brand Ross uh, some of you, if you've, if you've read the Winterfell Hui call, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. French. I'm sorry if I butchered that. But he's actually put uh, th- uh, three new things up recently. Um, three new tales, some stuff on Old Town and some stuff about the ravenry and the Citadel, some old stuff, which he said was partly inspired by our episodes on the same. So we'll pat ourselves in the back there. He's a great <laughs> writer. Uh, so he's very thorough and detailed. And um, we uh, we uh, will we'll be posting some links to his stuff on our site as well. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Gentario from the forums also had a lot to do with some, some note gathering that we borrowed. Um, uh, another person named by the old gods, not, and not the new also was helpful, pointed out a mistake that I had made as well, uh, before we uh, made this episode public. Um, as well as Mike Cannick from Facebook, who asks us a ton of tough questions, <laughs> uh, and that's a good thing. Sure. I don't get we don't, we get a lot of questions, but not all of them are tough questions. Mm-hmm. Most of them I can, we can just answer. Be easily. sure to
0: check out our Facebook page. We got a ton, we got a bunch of posts uh, on our wall, and you can get involved in the conversation about at the at the release of Werewoods Part Two. We're going to launch our forum. We're staggering the releases of that a little bit, and then we that's can right. move the discussion there. And so yeah, we're looking forward to talking to you guys a bit more. Leave us, leave us a review on iTunes, please. It probably the most excites us. Uh, and donation is cool too. Yeah. Money, it, kind words.
1: If you're not aware, ratings on iTunes and reviews make us appear more frequently when people do searches. So it really does help us get the show more noticed. Helps us uh, spread out a bit. They don't want
0: other thing. people knowing. They want to be the only ones on the <laughs> inside. Everyone I'm wants to keep about. us to themselves.
1: <laughs> um, of course, yeah. we're also we're on YouTube and iTunes. Of oh course, yes. If you're seeing us on YouTube, you know that already, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I guess that's about it. Our donation link is up below the uh, below on the uh, description of this episode, and, and of course, we'll be up website. on the website when that goes up. So help us yeah. out there. We um, we do put a lot of work into putting these episodes. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of time.
0: Yeah, we're, we are sorry about the three month wait. Yeah, we, this one will hopefully the, not be too long. It's 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 basically done.
1: I'd say it's seventy five percent done. I do apologize to people for multiple promises, <laughs> semi promises, really. They're never promises uh, of of when this episode would come out. I thought it would be out in November. I thought it would be out in December. I thought it would be out in early January. (laughs) My New Year's resolution was to stop making promises about and then you when did episodes it again. Out. and then I did it again, didn't I? So, yeah. I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm good at making episodes. Yeah. I'm not good at figuring out when they will come out. Yeah. So, we'll try to get better at that. Uh, at, uh, um we had promised a while back to try and have an episode every 2 weeks and we obviously failed miserably at that. <laughs> it just got too far ahead of us. This topic was just much bigger than we yeah. thought. it would be. I thought it was going to be one like an hour and a half topic and yeah. this is a 2-hour two two episode. We've got another one coming that's going to be about yeah, the same length. It's like length.
0: 24, 25 pages of content. No, Note, just notes, but yeah. Mm, yeah, so Anyways. it's it's
1: really, it's going to be fun, and just a little teaser on what's coming up after that. Now, considering how bad I am at predicting what's going to come next, don't take this too literally. <laughs> but this is our plan. This is a good change. We're going to finish, we're going to do the second part of the Wherewoods episode, Then we're going to take a small detour from Religions and Magic because we have some new material that just has to be covered. I'm sure. Princess and the Queen! I'm sure, what you guys, I'm sure you guys know that we're talking about Princess and the Queen.
0: Which we did our excerpt analysis, and now we're... Far behind and doing our review of it, which we really want to do. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're ready to do that. That's actually part of why the werewolves episode took a little while longer to come out because we, we all had to we had to read the princess and, and the queen. We weren't going to wait to read this. Yeah, yeah, so certainly not. No, and, of course, no. I had to discuss it with friends, and we all that was the topic that kind of took over for Plus a little little while. Plus,
0: Aziz has been playing on uh, Game of Thrones board game <laughs> <Lunch>. <laughs> a little too much, yeah.
1: and um, so basically, what we're getting at after is we're not going to actually do the, the we're not going to actually do the princess and the queen first. We're going to do. Sons of the Dragon, if you aren't familiar with Sons of the Dragon, that is uh, a reading that George did at a convention uh, several months ago in 2013, at some point I believe it was around the summer, and it's material that isn't going to get released until after the series is done, so a long time from now, we're, we're talking like mm. six, seven years from now, maybe mm. ten years, uh, and it details some of the time before the Targaryens came to Dragonstone, Some of their time on Dragonstone, but mostly it deals with King Aenys and King Magor, who were the two sons of Aegon the Conqueror. It deals with their time. We get some detail on Rhaenys and Visenya. We get some more details on what happened after the conquest. We have some details of their reigns. Including wars with the Faith Militant, we have a character named Heron the Red, mm-hmm. who takes Hall back. So we got a lot of fun stuff there, and then we're going to. We'll be back the,
0: to history of Western. Yeah, it'll be more history, West and then everything.
1: that'll lead into the Princess and the Queen because these two time periods almost connect. There's a bit of a yeah. there's a bit of a gap in there, yeah. but by using these two pieces of uh, of these two stories, we're able to piece together a lot of what happens in that time frame. So we're able to put together quite a bit of Targaryen history. Um, qu- quite thoroughly and we're able to get at uh, a fuller picture of what's told in The Princess and the Queen. We're going to be able to go a lot beyond what's actually in the pages there giving mm-hmm. all of our inferences, our references from So Spake Martins, these convention readings, things like that plus our usual attention to detail. It's going to be great mm-hmm. and we're going to follow that up probably with a, a, a maybe a short episode on dragons. We've got A great analysis on all the dragons and who were the riders through the past. Some of these dragons had multiple riders. Mm -hmm. You guys were introduced to a lot of these dragons in Princess and the Queen. But we know a few things about what happened before that. So we're going to fill you on on that. Plus, as you know from Princess and the Queen, the the entire Dance of the Dragons is not covered. It ends a bit prematurely there. It's it's not a focus on the war. It's a focus on those two characters. Mm -hmm. So we're going to also tell you what happens at the end of The Dance of the Dragons, the war itself. So that's quite a bit and that's all bit. for now. And
0: then we'll continue with all the old gods. Yeah, stuff. of course. Then we'll get back massive. into the old... And that's
1: kind of why we want to do the dragons thing because the dragons is kind of a religions and magic thing. Dragons are magical creatures, so we'll try yeah. to segue back into religions and magic and then we'll move forward with that.
0: Well, that's, that's all. That's now, it. We're
1: keeping this right under two hours. Yeah, just a shade Yeah, under. it's
0: less than a minute under two hours plus a little bit of editing. So, um... I, that's it. We still don't have a really catchy ending ending thing.
1: Well, we used to say we, "Valar Morghulis." Yeah, Harris, but, I think you know, that's it's the way played.
0: I'm, I yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I yeah. I'm no I'm no man. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Anyways,
1: thanks everybody. Thanks we for will See you next time.
0: Bye bye.